Blog Talk Radio. Use the 
skunks But back to the regular schedule program The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven At 11-11, emerge at the other end Of the meditation portals And elevated walk tools Even some abort tools Any questions, comments or concerns Press 1 For everyone else Thanks for attending another session I'm pleased to teach but it's an honor to learn Certainly Courtesy of KTL University Oh please don't be frightened I'm terribly sorry about this You are This is No The Ledge Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed, this is your host, Brother Blue Pill, okay? I'm going to be joined by my co-host any second now, Brother Red Pill. Uh, welcome to the audience. Welcome back to the family. Welcome to those who are joining us tonight that probably haven't been here in a minute, and especially Shout out to those that are joining us for the very first time. We have another monumental offering for you tonight. Another display of audio excellence featuring none other than the mass teacher, Dr. Reverend Phil Valentine. Okay? So please get yourselves comfortable. Um, working on logging into uh, this website all of a sudden giving me some difficulties. Chat room is for the chat room family. Just give me a second. I'm going to be opening up the chat as well as opening up my co-host his line. All right? His computer couldn't find a more opportune time to start acting a fool. So please bear with me. Okay? Family, welcome back. Shout out to everyone who joined us for Friday's Monumental Show. A lot of phone calls, a lot of phone calls about that show. People are, they were anticipating the show being longer. They wanted more hours of information from our brother, Brother Oba, more of his storytelling skills, more of the information that seemed to be coming you know, directly from the realm of the ancestors, you know, the brother brought a lot of clarity with that conversation, that discourse Friday night. You know, even where everything that he wasn't said, everything he said wasn't being agreed upon, even in that exchange, even in that discourse, I learned something beneficial. You know what I'm saying? Even taking consideration to what was being said, you know what I'm saying, during that moment in time, I still was able to uh, see the point that he was making about the superior intelligence and consciousness of plant life and the fact that, especially for, all, for us that have seen the documentaries about plant life, you know what I'm saying, we have to be very knowledgeable and conscientious that plant life has an intelligence, you know what I'm saying, plant life communicates you know, 
for every George Washington Carver and Dr. Shaby and Terrence Miller that are amongst us, they can tell you about the consciousness of plants. They can tell you about the communication skills. Plants will speak your language, nigga. Okay? So don't tune the plants out. You know what I'm saying? Don't think that there's anything around you that's inanimate. Not even knuckle dragons. They have a consciousness too. All right? Even amongst the walking dead, the metabolic functions that they're not conscious of is still taking place, which means that that battery, that light is still on them. It's still on. Got to be mindful of that. You know, the dead bury the dead. I don't know how they do that, but, you know, anyway. So, yes, that entire program offered a wealth of information. And, yeah, let me finish up saying that. So even based on what I was able to bear witness to and acknowledge by way of what the brother was introducing and addressing about the consciousness of plants, I formulated my own little, uh, uh, you know, prayer that I say to my, my green life before I consume it. Even when I encounter it and when I want to purchase it, you know, I have a little saying that I say in terms of, you know, building that bridge and making sure that everything is A-OK and that's the right batch of kale for me. Or that's the right avocado. And when we have a tendency to do these things more often, even if we're fantasizing, even if we're all up in our imagination, you know what I'm saying? That ain't stop them little girls from having them dolls talk to them and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? They ain't had the little boys from having Chucky talk to them. So things become real in their own imagination, and sometimes it even guides their consciousness to do things that they're still doing these particular days. So why not, you know, engage yourself at that particular level when it comes to your food so you know which food is good or not? You know, you might start, you might all start playing games with yourself and, and end up bumping into something very real, you know what I'm saying, very tangible. All right? So, yeah, you know, once again, family, the, uh, Computers acting up. I'm gonna try another browser. Log in from another browser. See what's going on with Blog Talk. See the type of games they're playing today. You know, but nonetheless, we're here. The program is definitely gonna go down. You know what I'm saying? Families in the building. Of course, we always ask that you kindly update your statuses. You can take that flyer. You can share it. You can find a flyer on Facebook on Notarized TV's fan page. You go up there. You can share that flyer. You can Instagram it. You know what I'm saying? You can tweet, pick it, email it, or you can even uh yeah with Instagram you could you know you can send it to somebody, put a little message in there, let them know that you're rocking with the best. We're in the building. All right. Oh. Yeah. Let's see what's going on. All right, I got one page up. Let's go to the studio. Got my fingers crossed to see if it's going to work. 
tap into some of this full moon energy. Shout out everyone that came out this weekend to see Tosh Street Bay. You know what I'm saying? The brother breeze through L.A. You know, and definitely um, blessed us with plethora information. You know what I'm saying? He, he was able to bring that uh that clean that clean water. You know what I'm saying? Wipe away a lot of misconceptions about what his presentation entails and, and what his approach is towards explaining himself when it comes to nationality. A lot of people, of course, are very emotional, you know, when it comes to hanging on to these terms and these brands and these labels. And he totally decimated, you know, that crush that people can't seem to let go of, but yet have no other reason for holding on to it other than their feelings. You know what I'm saying? Because they're attached to these brands through emotions. They're attached to your religions through emotions too. You know what I'm saying? They're attached to those diets because of emotion as well. You know? You're attached to these habits and, and all of these other things that you may be doing very well better without because of emotions. You know? So the brother, you know, he he he, he had to pry some fingers back so they can let go of some things and let them up because certain things are, are serving as a detriment to people, especially people who have no knowledge of what these terms mean. And they love being low to sweet by connotative linguistics. And just the fact that they think that a word means something or that's what them and they, their homies think, you know what I'm saying? That's not actually what that word means. So if you don't have a definition of terms, if that's not established, First and foremost, how can you have this broader conversation with the world or how can you even interpret what someone is saying to you if you don't know what the definition of those words are? And that's what we're dealing with today. You know, a mass media campaign to counteract the, the, the work that the Moors have been doing in regards to raising awareness by nationality, you're getting a flood of slave films, okay? And these slave films have become nominated and applauded and awarded, which means that 15 or 20 more of them are being greenlit right now, you know. And when you go out and you're trying to reach the youth in 5, 10, 15 years, you know what I'm saying, if we've been granted that amount of wiggle room, you know, they're going to be looking at you like you're crazy because just like we had Roots, they had Django. You know what I'm saying? And, and that is going to be that's that's going to be their reality. You know what I'm saying? That's going to be a reality. They bounce off. They're going to be like, hold on. You know, my, we were slaves. And automatically, slaves and a slave ship go together. So you're trying to tell somebody that there was, you know, people indigenous to this land that look like them, or there's a story different from the one that Hollywood is showing. Good luck, my nigga. You know, so let me go and get my, uh, my co-host you know what I'm saying? Both of them. Let me get both my co-hosts out the call to Call it from the 347650. What it do? Peace. Peace, peace, peace to the world. Peace to the world. Welcome to Know the Legend Radio. Yes, this yes. In the building. Brother Brett Hill. Yeah, you might have heard about it. And uh, uh-huh. I'm here with my, my, my brother Blue Pill. 
This is Nota Ledge Radio, uh-huh. and we are definitely in the building. I want to say salute, love, and light to everybody. And um, yeah, we here. Yeah. I, I was, I was. Let me go get the homie. Okay. okay, let me get the homie first. Call it from the three three six four seven three. Peace. Peace. Got me there. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, God indeed. Introduce yourself to the world. No doubt. Yo, this time Mel will be. Just want to say peace to the world, peace to the twins. You know, and I'm ready for the show tonight. I got my notebook ready. No doubt. Sure. No doubt. And tonight's theme fits perfectly into what we have been on the radio speaking about for the last three weeks, KTL Empowerment. You know, the need and necessity, the uncompromising need and necessity for us to do for self, you know, but not as individuals, but as a unified force, you know, right. as polite, as expertly termed it, conscious commerce, you know, to be very conscious of what the dollar does, yeah, what your dollar is doing, empowering not only yourself, but your immediate circle, so that power could eventually come back to you. You know, so we're going to be talking about that with a master, you know, the brother that's been around since the inception point and stage of what we call the quote-unquote conscious community. And whatever preceded that, he's also qualified to speak on it because he stands on the shoulders of the individuals that laid the track work for that thing there. And before we begin, let me send a rest in power to our brother Richard King. Yes, sleep in power, okay, to the mm-hmm. elder to the master teacher, Brother Richard King, you know what I mean? Uh, I got the I got the news, uh, what was that, two days ago, and, um, you know, it really touched me because this brother was definitely a light bearer. He put in a lot of work, family. I recommend going to YouTube and going to um, your other sources of information and getting this brother's collection of his body of work, his books and things of that nature, you would definitely benefit yeah. yourself off of them books. Of the Read them books, though, man. Yeah, eat them books, though. You want, to, you want to cop that book? Yeah, put that in you your collection. You know, that's, that's no, your gift I, I, right yeah. there. You know, for the family celebrating the holy days and whatnot, you know, uh, bestow that gift upon one of your relatives or your loved ones you know what I mean, or your mate or whatever, and let them get into that book. Don't assume that they might not get it or whatnot, because many of us came across pieces of literature in our travels in life. We had no idea, like, the hell is a Dr. York? What's this pamphlet about? What's a holy tablet? Or, you know, what's a what's a, a, a pale fox? Or, you know what I'm saying? All of these what's books. Serious? What's the ice- the hell is a yeah, serious the ice- mystery in yeah, all of them are writing. Exactly. Yeah. These concepts were foreign. I remember, yeah, when I, when, I, when I got his book on melanin, I had to put it down at first. Like, I acquired it, but I didn't read it immediately. And then when I was ready for it, it was there, and I ate that. And it, it was a, it was, it was, it went down smooth. Like, he has a very, um, His writing style is is, is 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 digestible, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, he's not necessarily going over anyone's head. And all of that information that he was building on his reference, you know, is, is 
You ain't able to reference it now. You know what I mean? Go to Google. You talking about the and book? And there seems on, to be so many. Huh? Is that the book you're talking about, The Black Dot? Yeah, The Black Dot. Yeah, yeah, it's the truth. You know what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a classic. I remember, you know, finishing his books and just feeling reinvigorated based on the information that was shared. You know, I understood myself on another level. And then, um, you know, others have come along and they've questioned the credibility of that particular level of scholarship. You know, even people like Dr. Sabi himself has questioned the validity of, of melanin in the scientific world and the world of science. And there's a lot that has been done since that. You know, there's a lot of studies on melanin. It's being extensively studied at these universities. There's private papers that are being compiled. We have members of our community that have access to these papers and are doing research on their own to continue the work of Dr. King's, and some of that information will be presented in the very near future on Nodalized Radio. Some of the information you'll see in DVDs by way of documentaries. You'll see it in new books, you know. But this is a very dynamic field that, you know, easily is going to be the conversational piece for the next two and three years and beyond, of course. But I'm talking about us really getting the grasp and finding out the magical properties, you know what I'm saying, of this particular molecule. It's going to be amazing. So that brother will always live on, you know what I'm saying, in history, you know. But I believe King, just like people like Claude Anderson, just like people like, you know, Phil Valentine are also direct witnesses of having a level of scholarship and a level of offering by way of, you know, their research and their genius, bringing it to the community and the community just, like, really not being there. You know what I'm saying? Either one not getting it or just not being that supportive. You know? So, yeah, family, the chat room is open, too. You know what I'm saying? If you want to engage on that level, you know. So the first time that I came to New York, um, actually the first book that I actually um, purchased um, was actually, you know, his book, The Black Dot. And the funny thing was it wasn't even a real book. It was actually like copies that cats had made, you know what I mean, Um but it actually, you know, that book right there actually laid the foundation to just my, you know, to my eyes just, you know, opening up and really just coming into myself. So, you know, that's definitely some, um, you know, some sad news <clears throat> about the brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was, it was a plate. That's what I'm saying. It definitely was a plate. You know what I mean? I was like, okay. You know what I'm saying? Definitely, definitely help. So with that being said, you know, we recommend it to the family. They check that out. Definitely get familiar if you've never seen a lecture of the brothers or you've never read his book. You know, definitely get yourself in tune for what he has to offer. 
definitely, you know, like I said, we want to send him a rest of power. You know, he's with the the ancestors at this particular time. Yeah, I'm waiting on Red again. His, his line just dropped. Nah, you know, it what's good with you, family? Any observations over this weekend that you might want to make note of? Uh, well, actually, you know, just to add on to what we was talking about um, last week, you know, just about respecting our elders. You know, and the funny thing yes. is, is that, you know, we don't have to agree with everything that they do, but, you know, these guys paved the way, um, you know, in a major way. And you know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, like the respect level. You know, like nowadays, you know, we just, everybody's rebellious. We always want to chop off people's thesis instead of trying to add on. Like you said, man, these guys are remarkable guys. You know, Phil Valentine, um, Richard King, you know. And, I mean, any any one of us. I mean, any one of them because, you know, they could have just been, you know, they could have choose to, um, to do something else with their time. You know what I'm saying? But they best, you know, they blessed us with the great works. You know what I mean? So, you know, oh, man, that's crazy news, though, you know. Crazy news. So your mom. Yes, indeed. But yeah, you know the week was good, man. You know, uh, you know, it's just always interesting. Yes, indeed, family. Yes, we want to definitely take this time to remind the family, kchlempowerment.com. Okay, kchlempowerment.com. All right, kclmca.weebly.com, Total Takeover. Join the definitely, definitely have some viable, available systems that are waiting for you, family. All right. The time waits for no man, but in this particular case, these programs, you know, they're here. They won't be around forever, but they're here for now. Take advantage. Okay. Indeed. See if the brother's back with us yet. All right, he ain't called back in yet. Phone must be dead. But he will call back in shortly. All right, and our guest will be here shortly as well. So, yeah, like I said, you know, I just had the opportunity this, this, this weekend to see the brother Tosh Tariq Bay come in. And it's my thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, certain things are just not up for debate. And he's at a particular point where, yeah, you know, when you lay in the information out like that, it's like, prove them wrong. You know what I'm saying? Who got the superior claim? Prove them wrong because he's laying it out. You know? He's laying it out about these brands, man. Mm. You know, the brother, he was definitely able to, uh, you know, connect with the audience out here. The family was ready. They was ready to hear some information that um, they probably have not heard before or, you know, they definitely didn't hear it coming from him in that particular manner from the master, and when he had the opportunity to get up there and teach, he wasted no seconds. Shout out to Shabir Bay, who also joined them up there. And um, they had an entire team, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to the family that came down from Oakland. Shout out, I met family that had came from Texas, from Houston, 
all the way to Cali mm-hmm. to catch the lecture. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? People was making moves. You know what I mean? KTL family was up in there deep, too. It was definitely checking for the pills. That Seven Heaven was a hit. That's so, Yeah, man. Seamoss. You know, that Seamoss to be back on the West Coast. I mean, on the East Coast family, bringing it back East this weekend. So I'll be in the building more than likely on the East Coast until next year sometime. You know what I'm saying? Just making my runs, making my connections. A lot of work got to be done back home. So I definitely look forward to seeing the family, seeing my peoples. You know? No doubt. Yeah, hey, so look, yeah. Let's do this. Let me uh pay these bills real quick. Get that out the way. You know what I'm saying? While we waiting. Deal with this real quick, like. Be right back, y'all. The Mooney Twins present Trade and Get Paid. Invest like a pro with the Royal Networks Trading Academy. Trade and get paid. The stock market is a $4 billion a day industry. We bring Wall Street to your street. Earn extra money or get rich. Trade and get paid. Beginners pack $275.95 and $120 monthly. Learn and earn with the Trading Academy. Call the Mooney Twins at 323-328-0067. That's 323-328-0067. Trade and get paid. Peace, hello? Peace. Yeah, my jack got clipped for a second, too. Huh. You already see the game they're playing tonight. Hi, yeah. y'all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still waiting on that brother to call back in. Or for the guests to call for the evening. Yeah, we are at down. 9.30 mark. Yeah, should be calling any second now. You know? Yeah, no doubt, man. So, you know, keep it real with me, man. I need need, need some realism on the line tonight. Got that Beyonce album? Nah, I ain't even copy, you know what I mean? But I ain't, I ain't a hater, though, you know what I'm saying? She, she definitely brings some good energy, but nah. You know what I'm saying? Yo, she did her numbers, though. That's what type of numbers did she do? Man, I said she did, like, almost 800,000 records. You know, oh, she, definitely, she, she definitely brought them, them iTunes records. Um, you know, she bossy, you know what I'm saying? She dropped on a Friday. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we're going to save that because I'm sure that that is going to come up 
in tonight's conversation. You feel me? So let me read tonight's episode so we can get directly into tonight's program. You dig? Uh Uh-huh. All right, family. It's that time again, y'all. The holiday shakedown has begun. In the words of Reverend Dr. Phil Valentine, since the time when those who have no stake in our community literally balance their books for the entire year based on the aggressive trillion-dollar spending habits of our people are mostly useless trifles on gift-wrapped garbage that will either be discarded or fall into disuse in less than a month. As one of the old-head founders of the conscious community, I consider it my solemn responsibility to remind my beloved conscious brothers and sisters to practice financial alchemy at this time by converting lead, quote-unquote, unconscious dollars into gold, quote-unquote, the conscious dollars. The conscious dollar has magical effects that are felt throughout your entire being when utilized and reverberates its uplifting and empowering benefits throughout your immediate family and by positive default, your entire community. Tune in tonight for the mental tune-up to get your mind right as a true metaphysician explains the magical properties of currency transfer and how turning lead to gold is an alchemical ability that all men possess. Classes in session, family. And with no further ado, we present to you caller from the 646 220. Peace. Hotep family. Nice cadet. Hotep. Hotep. Let me open up Red's line real quick. Red, you with us? Peace. Peace, Dr. Yes, Valentine. let's go. Hotep, 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 family. Good to hear all yes, the stories. I don't, I don't know if you just tuned in, but we did a uh, a very, you know, brief explanation of the life and the legacy of Dr. Richard King. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? If we spoke our piece. I don't know if you want to speak yours before we begin. Yes, I would... Uh, you know, as one of my elders and the one who introduced all of us to the concept, psychological concept of the black dot, um, my experience with Dr. Richard King as one of my elders, <clears throat> we met uh, a couple of times in many, many different venues. Uh, the one I remembered most was in the Melanin Conference in Chicago, actually it was in Detroit, uh, the one that Bobby and I did, and I believe he was there along with Dr. Carol Barnes. And when we did the Melanin Conference, um, he and I, we had a chance, I had a chance to speak with him in his hotel room, and he and I wanted to uh, collaborate where he would take the psychological part of the black dot and I would do the metaphysics on it. We never had a chance, unfortunately, but... We uh, have lost in the flesh a great mind and a great teacher, but uh, the ancestors are enriched right now by his presence. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I want to definitely, on that note, too, just salute all of our elders that are out there, you know, all of our brothers, Brother Bobby Emmett, Brother Dr. Ben, um, 
Dr. Sabi, all of the elders, all of the giants, all of the trailblazers, Dr. Uh, Brother Booker T. Coleman, uh, Brother Charge, everybody that's out there doing the good work, paving the way, who've been on the circuit for 20, 30, 40 years, putting in work. You know, um, I honor our elders, you know what I'm saying? I stand on their shoulders. And, um, you know, we definitely uh, am honored to be in this place, you know what I mean, to keep that torch lit. But, uh, you know, you've got to put that out there. Amen. Definitely. I um, spoke to just a note before we go into anything. I'd like to preface this, and I'm hoping everybody is tuned in and uh, all, your entire board is lit up, and I'm hoping this will be flushed down the conscious pipe so that everybody on the vine can actually feed on this part of it. I got a call from Bobby and from Linda, and they asked me a curious question. They said, uh, Brother Phil, did you put together a program or sponsor a program that was supposed to be a uh, financial or some kind of fundraiser for Bobby Hammett, for Bobby? And I said, by all means, I did not. What's going on? People are actually putting on benefits using Brother Bobby Hammett's condition as a means to garner monies. Now, I'm not out there making any accusations. I'm getting this directly from the horse's mouth. This is directly from Linda and directly from Bobby. People are out there putting on fundraisers in the name of Bobby, using Bobby's condition, and Bobby's not getting any of the funds that were raised. Now, I just want to put this out to the family. You are putting yourself into one hell of a karmic vortex when you are starting to take advantage of somebody's misfortune in order to enrich yourself. This is not what conscious people do. And if there are people, parasites in our community at this time, who are opportunists and taking their uh, particular brand of uh, exploitation uh, into our communities, know that this is a magical community. And as a magical community, you will be outed. And sure enough, you will uh, you'll have a hard time uh, navigating inside of these waters again. So I'm just putting it out there. There are people who are going to be attending either, uh, you know, shows of Bobby, uh, different videos or different things that they put together. If you're going there please make sure that you ask the host or hostess if they are putting these funds into the hands of Bobby Hammett. If not, please do not participate because Bobby said that uh, people are calling him back and asking him, did he get the money, did they get the funds, and so forth. I was asked by Bobby and by Linda to tell the family that if they are going to give anything to him, to help him. He seemed like he's coming along. He seems like his memory is, uh, he's repeating himself. And uh, he sounds lucid. He sounds like he's strong. He wants to come back, but he keeps repeating himself, which is part of the, the symptoms of that condition. 
But if anyone really wants to help him, please go to the love fund that was set up for him. That is the official place where you will give, anyone should give any kind of help to the brother, to the love fund. Do not go to any of these staged events that are there to line somebody else's pocket using the conscious community to do that. So please, I'm not saying that there are not people out there, good people out there that are trying to help Bobby and are doing the right thing. But from what I understand from Bobby and Linda, they're not getting anything from it. Okay, so uh, please, just pass that along. Indeed. It's a crying shame. Absolutely. But, you know, it's not a surprise. Uh, no, before parasites, you know the degenerates, the charlatans, and the infiltrators have definitely made a home or rest haven inside of the community. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, that's uh, one of the reasons why I have to tell the brothers and sisters who are in this. Um, brothers who are honest, strong, sisters who are honest and strong in this community really want to do the right thing to make sure that their magnanimity and their beneficence is actually targeting the right people because you do have to make sure to understand that the higher you fly, the lower the gravity is where you are and they're going to be pulling you stronger. Stronger the gravity is the higher you up. So you know It's a long way to fall. There are going to be people pulling on you and trying to, I guess, hitch a ride, you know, on your heights. So be wary of them. They're the the ones who want to do the most for you. Be very mindful of them. Those are the infiltrators. Yep. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. been a while since we uh, conversed, Dr. Valentine. Uh, do you want to, before we begin, give the family any updates as to, uh, you know, the works that you've been doing and what's going on with the university? Absolutely, indeed, and thank you for that. We are beginning our next semester on in February, <laughs> Black History Month. I want to call it that. But uh, we're beginning it on February the 15th. Uh, we've had such a great showing from people all around. <laughs> Say that again? That's your day. You know, Valentine's Day. <laughs> One day after, I know, because if I'd have done it on the 14th, everybody would have said something. But so I said, actually, it's always on the on the uh, Saturday, and I'm kind of happy it isn't, it's, it's not the 14th <laughs> anyway. But... Um, We are starting our next semester on the 14th of February, 2014, the seven year, because that's my number, seven. So triple sevens are going to be coming up in July, and we are going to be definitely looking for some very either horrific or fantastic, magnificent events. Uh, 777, as you know, is Crowley's number. So these beasts are going to do something to celebrate that. So I'm putting it out there before it comes to be popular because a lot of people 
you know, they jump up and think that they got everything sewn up and they bring things new, but this is all old news. We've been waiting to come into this 777-year cycle for a while, and we did it in 2007 the last time, so now we are here 14 years later, and we are into another cycle of 777. So uh, I would say that uh, we are only going to be able to uh, – I'd say anywhere between 15 and 20 students. I don't like a lot of students. Um, I like to keep it a kind of small and contained class because I wish to work on the developmental uh, and the transcendence of each individual because we're there to teach teachers, not just to uh, entertain students. And we want you to learn how to teach the craft, the, the, the secrets, and to be able to make them available to the mindset of the brothers and sisters, the young brothers and sisters, make it palpable to them. So we are definitely dealing with a new semester. If you are interested, please uh, go to UKSNOW.org. Again, UKSNOW.org. When you get up online, and the page opens, please click Courses, and you could read through the metaphysical psychology courses and the classical naturopathy courses that I offer, as well as the ongoing ISM, which is the Institute for Self-Mastery, which the women uh, administer, uh, my wife, uh, Dr. Nalani, and uh, another sister. They're the ones who teach homeschool online, uh, as well as the Medunetra online. So we homeschool, we tutor online for the young brothers and sisters. And again, if they're interested, they can also call 800-847-1291. Again, 800-847-1291. Also, for brothers and sisters, they've been calling me about vaccination exemptions a lot of people are being forced or being coerced, and there's a lot of people being uh, harassed about uh, taking vaccinations. We do uh, help people with legal paperwork, uh, lawful paperwork, to deal with vaccination to vaccination exemptions, and you can call that number as well. Of course, we are also dealing with the Juice Plus. There has been a little bit of... Uh, concern regarding the capsules, and we've told everyone that the content in the capsules are what we're dealing with rather than the capsules themselves. And for those of you who are waiting for an explanation of why they did not use veg caps, well, depending on the contents, the veg caps are porous. And because they were porous and the contents, which is the juice plus powder, were so highly reactive and full of enzymes, moisture would get into the capsules and be activating the enzymes inside of the capsules. So the product began to uh, cause a breakdown in the integrity of the veg caps. And the enzymes, when they became active through the moisture, they began to break down the outer capsules and there was a lot of mess inside of the bottle. So for those of you who wish to deal with the Juice Plus, you can call me at that number as well, 800-847-1291. And, of course, you know I am a doctor of naturopathic medicine, 
as well as a hygienic scientist, and we deal with consultations in health, as well as consultations having to do with relationships, marriage, as well as metaphysical consultations for people who are just interested in the occult. I hope I didn't take up too much time. Uh, not at all, not at all. You might have to cut a commercial for you, let it loop through our shows and whatnot. Nah, because that's, uh, that's some information that I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that will, that will be able to benefit from the services and the products that you're providing. You know what I'm saying? So salute to that. Yep, thanks. Indeed, indeed. Well, without any further ado, Let's get into this program tonight. We have a very interesting topic. And, uh, Indeed. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to your interpretation, you know, your, your vantage point, your view on the whole situation. Um, we've been doing a series of shows every Tuesday night on Notre Ledge dealing with economics, speaking to the family, uh, bringing forth solutions, uh, bringing forth um you know, uh, delving into the world of technology, uh, internet marketing, uh, multi-level marketing, um, speaking about the tech boom that is taking place and the need to, uh, you know, um, educate ourselves and participate in the quote-unquote digital divide or the digital gap that has taken place once again amongst our people. You know, the fact that we are all, many of us are communicating on tablets, phones, we're all familiar with Google Play, the app market, we're all familiar with the iTunes app market, but um, we don't control, we don't have too much foothold in these markets, you know, uh, just for instance, uh, Instagram, which is an app for phones only, sold for a billion dollars, and it's a simple app, you take pictures and change the filter, you know, so... We've been trying to encourage the family through uh, our blogs and other things that um, it's time to become very serious about our future and just offering, you know, the solutions that we are be that, that are coming to us. Um, so, you know, I look forward once again to uh, the dissertation tonight. So, um, with, you know, you can take the floor. I don't want to take up too much too much time and whatnot and let you do what you got to do. Yes, hello? Yes, Yeah, there's some some interference here. We had a little thunder. Hopefully it's uh, in the far distance. Um, I've been to home businesses. That's where I did my, uh, I guess, (laughs) that's where I got my successes out of my home. I used and turned my home into my business. Now, I know I can't speak for everyone. Uh, What you have to do is take advantage of what you have where you are. And I hope you understand what I mean. Who you are, are, what you have, where you are. And, of course, there are people who are thinking in the future and they're they're in school right now and doing their thing. Uh, They're looking for opportunities uh, to uh, make a mark, to get that million-dollar project or whatever it is that they're working on. Some people are just pretty much 
working on a day-to-day thing to save up monies just to get simple things. Some people have long-range plans, huge plans. Other people just have small plans. I can only speak from what I know was successful for me. And the biggest success back when I was starting out, and the thing is to know what will be successful 10 years from now. When I started, I started in the health industry. And it was not something very popular because natural health back 35, 40 years ago in the black community was not something that everyone was onto. Nobody was into the kind of science that I was into. And and my parents told me that you try to get black folks to stop eating, you're going to starve. I heard that said, before. Yeah, and it this was this was they were really serious because they were professional people. My my mother and my father were professional people, and they were into you know the regular professions and social. I didn't want to do that. Uh, I wanted to make my own business, which is much more difficult than getting a job. Everyone knows that. Even though jobs are difficult to find, there is a route and a routine that you can follow in order to have some kind of chance to have a job or get somebody to pay you for the skills that you've developed. Now, I can't say this for everyone, so I'm going to speak for myself to everyone, and hopefully you can pick up what will be relevant to you. I gained in a skill, a people skill, and that's the secret to success, getting a people skill. Today, with this highly automated, like you were saying, the app market, everything being super automated, that's going to be played out because the dehumanization of commerce is going to cause it to become gradually unsuccessful because people are going to ask for and be looking for more humanistic technologies, more humanistic connectivity to the business place, the business market. And that's what's going to be successful. When everybody is going big and, and, and buying up and going crazy, remember the mass amount of people don't do that. There's only maybe 3 to 5% that's in that wild market going out for billions and dollars and, you know, making over their billion dollars and so forth. Yeah, but the secret to it is that the masses of the people that are making them millionaires are not them. They're making it off of what they got those people interested in. So the secret is wherever you are, whatever talents that you have naturally and whatever talents you know make you happy, that's the, that's the first thing I always knew in my mind. If you are not happy with what you're doing, then it will not be successful. Mm. Whatever you do must make you happy that you do it. At the end of the day, when you look at the results of your work, are you happy with yourself? Do you feel fulfilled? Because if you're working for someone else and you're putting a cog inside of another digit and a wheel and so forth, you're going to get bored as hell. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be on pills. You're going to be doing things to try to get yourself actively, your brain to start activating and start feeling like you want to feel again. Your work must make you feel whole. If your work fragments you and makes you feel distanced from yourself, then that's not for you. 
And don't think about success being because you can turn on your TV and because you could cut and paste and because you could switch channels and see people being successful all over the place, that that's how success comes to you. It doesn't come that way. Success is a grind. Mm. Let me say that again. Success is a grind. Success is sweat. Okay, success is tears. Success is pain. Success is the kind of obsession that you have for the love of what you do. You chase the love of your obsession, not the obsession itself. So this is my secret. This is what made me or grew me in what I did. This is what inspired me to read 3,500 books. This is what inspired me to go and get a speed reading course in order to do that so that I could be there for people when they ask me questions that I don't even know I have the answer to until they ask me the question. So in success, once success is, is something, if you, have to, if you really want to know what success is, count the bruises. Count the bruises? That's right. Because I'm real successful. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> do you still have, you see, at the end of the day, once you counted those bruises, do you still have your right mind? Still got are it, you, Yes. Are you still happy with who you are? Indeed. Yes. Do you still have the kind of optimistic outlook for yourself and for humanity? These are very important. This is not something that is me just talking off the filter. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm telling you exactly what it is that true success is. We're dealing with monetary success. Of course, this is business. But life is business. Happiness is a business. Relationships are business. There it is. Family. So if, there it is. So if you don't have those businesses intact first, then the business of the world of making money, that ain't, that, that's going to be something. That's going to be crazy. And the thing is, most people put it in reverse. They go out and make the world and money-making their business first before their family, and then they come back to nothing. Then it becomes an automatic grind. So this whole thing about you finding that place for business and success, the first business is to find out, what it is that the business of love and happiness in your life is. And I know it sounds trite. We're going to get to the point where we talk about making money. But if you don't know the business of your happiness right now and what it is that's going to take to make you happy and what you do making you happy, then, then you don't have the understanding of what your business is about. Because in the end of the day, I know people that call me every day, got money up the yin-yang, won't even spend it because of the kind of nature that they have, very yeah. unhappy, very unhappy. I mean, millionaires, I'm talking to millionaires, unhappy mm-hmm. because they have lost the doing, they lost themselves in the doing and forgot about the being part of human. So as far as business is concerned and in dealing with business, I set my mind to what I could do best, and that is teach because I have a gift for teaching. I had a, another gift. I could sing my ass off back in the days. I could draw. I'm an artist par excellence. I can draw my ass off. <laughs> I saw <laughs> your I work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> back in the day, I had done some things. I mean, I got, uh, you know, asked to go to Brown University. I was given a scholarship at 13 years of age to teach, proxy teach over at 13 at the Brooklyn Museum Art School. So I had all these things in front of me, but the one thing I loved to do more than anything else was to teach, was to learn and to be able to turn on the light of understanding in the mind of another. That is, that is a rush for me. When people say, I get it, wow, my head is filled. I get 10 and 15 different messages from around the world, Africa, Asia, Europe, America, about people who said that those videos on YouTube and the ones that they did find, those ones that the bootleggers had put up there, has changed their lives. That Now I get it, they say. I used to be Christian. I used to be Muslim. I used to be all of this. Now I'm finding myself without all of those things being in the way, filtering out what I needed to know. And that is a rush for me. That makes me feel that I have contributed something to the consciousness index of the planet, the upward movement of it. And that movement, that doing that as a business is secondary. The business is secondary to me. That love of doing what I'm doing, because you could do it. I mean, there are people who got mad skills at putting together. A com- they could build a computer out of, uh, out of the, the dumpster. They could come together, put together stuff with a computer. They have brothers that can paint and draw. They have all kinds of things. But those who are creative, and I talk to the creative brothers and sisters out there, if you've got mad skills at doing, uh, doing a rap, if you know how to do rhymes and poetry, get into that. Immerse yourself. Obsess yourself in it. But don't become so completely removed that you forget that you are contributing to someone else's you're not connect you're not disconnected you're contributing so whatever you're speaking whatever you're saying is contributing to the vibration of everything else around you okay so if you have a skill to do something do it well and then don't worry i mean you want to get people to know about it and you got to you got to eat every day yes but then if you got to sweep a street Sweep the street. Don't, be, don't worry about flipping a burger. These are processes. That's all they are until you get to do what you're doing. You know you ain't going to be sitting behind a counter doing burgers for the rest of your life. And if that's you, if you over... <laughs> yeah, that's interesting that you say that. On Friday's show, me and Blue was talking about branding. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Blue was obsessing about Beyonce. And we were speaking about the power of branding oneself and mm-hmm. you know, the fact that you could become an immortal in this lifetime, creativity, or the biggest nation of all, your imagination. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to encourage the family, not trying, I was encouraging the family that even if they may be at a nine to five and they may find themselves in a position where they don't like where they're at and they may be flipping burgers, you know, or they may be doing something that they they look in the mirror and they might not, they might not see themselves as you know the same way that Clark Kent or Peter Parker may have looked in the mirror and they didn't necessarily see Superman and Spider Man at that point, but they know inherently later on that night when everybody's asleep 
They put that mm-hmm. comp on and they become that super hero. They become their greater selves. So I was just, you know, sharing with the family that this is about mortalizing oneself with, with, with the skills that you have been endowed with. Don't forget about the skills. You know what I mean? Do it at the, at the burgers and all of that. And, and you, you read so many stories about people who were in their car homeless, down and out, didn't have it. But there was something that saved them in life. It, it propelled them into the realm of immortality to where their art and their name will be uttered throughout eternity, even when the body is gone. And that, my friend, is that, that's, that's, that's one of, the, uh, that's one of the, the, the main missions to come here to do. You know, to become a star, to become that star in the sky, you know, not for fame purposes, not to be known and paparazzi chasing you, but to make a mark, to leave a mark, you know, to be spoken of for your greatness, you know, and you have achieved that. You know, rest assured that you will be spoken of through eternity for the contributions that you have given mankind in this day and age for what it, for what you have bestowed upon millions upon millions of people with your teaching. You know, although, you know, you have worn many hats, I can relate to you because self and say, damn, am I even doing anything with myself? Am I wasting time? Am I working at 10%? You know, sometimes we, you, you, you're your worst critic. You go hard on yourself. But, you know, I know with the contributions that me and Blue have put forth, you know, and the art that we've created, and the art that we will create in the future that, you know, we are going to put our, ourselves in that place as well. And, and the same passion that you said that you have, I share that passion, you know, that even when everything is down, even when it, it's the, the future is looking completely dark, completely bleak, I know that that passion and that love to stand up there and to teach and to connect and to turn lights on the same way that when we were in the back of LIU in O two. 2003, slumped in the back, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, coming straight from the streets and whatnot, you know what I'm saying, and, and we was at LIU getting our lights turned on, sometimes walking out of there with a migraine because the information was so direct, it, it was short-circuiting that, that, that calcified pineal gland. It was waking up, and it hurt. You know what I'm saying? It, it caused migraines because we were being reprogrammed. Our DNA was being recalibrated on the spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So building, mm-hmm. later on, just building about the information, saying, like, yo, just just throwing the what-ifs out there. You're like, what if, yo, what if, yeah, I know this sounds crazy, but what if one day we was up there and we just laughing and stuff? Like, yeah, right, so that's crazy. You know yeah, what I mean? That's DNA, that yeah, that's Yeah. And then being able to see myself actually standing right there doing the same thing a few years later, that's mm-hmm. success. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, mm-hmm. and it's true, like what you said, the reality shows and the television and the programming of the media is thwarting, it's, 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 it's taking people into a realm of uh, delusions of grandeur and false success. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. You know, and, and that's the thing that our people are becoming frustrated and it's creating, it's creating a nation of drones, of clones, of, of mm-hmm. people who have no idea whatsoever of their purpose, purposelessness. <laughs> people are jumping into lanes that they don't belong in. People are trying to be people who they, 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 they're not. You're supposed to be a doctor. 
not a crack dealer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, you know, you were supposed to be the next uh, uh, Spike Lee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not a, not yeah. a twerk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're a guy, and you're twerking. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I mean, like, these things are taking place. People are becoming impressionable, you know, especially yeah. with the loss of the, the, the destruction of the family structure and the loss of positive melanated role models amongst our brothers and our sisters because we are both hit, we're both getting it from both angles. This war is not, uh, it's not prejudice. There's no prejudice in this war at this point. They're striking everybody. So I just want to say salute to that. You know what I mean? That, that touched me right there because I've, I haven't really heard a person completely describe what success is in that manner. You know, and it makes all of the sense. And I encourage the listeners, the family that's out there, to to really like if you got to rewind what the brother's saying, take that to account. You know what I mean? Like, even though you may have a comedic name, or you may have a majestic name in these days and ages, if we don't build the new Kemet, like if we don't build the pyramid in Brooklyn, it's okay. You know what I mean? Just make your mark. Do something, create something. Like our brother Ra Omar, I had a conversation with the, uh, the brother Ra Omar, who's a genius, you know what I mean? And the artist, the the, the fashion uh, designer, and, and he spoke some beautiful words of wisdom to me. And he took this information and he's applied it to the fashion industry. He's, he's taken this information and he, he's applied it to the art, to, his, to his, the skill that he was given by the ancestors. He knows that he may not rebuild the uh, the temple of Dendora. He doesn't have to. He's going to recreate it through the pencil. You know what I mean? And I, and I also pose that question to our brothers and sisters out here who have woken up in your lectures and Bobby's lectures and Delbert's lectures and everything that, um you know, all of the plethora of teachers, the AAs of the world, you know what I'm saying? And, and, so many other people, they've, they've spoken to that inherent, that dormant spirit inside of our brothers and sisters and have have awakened them, awoken them. But then I, I try to help them put into context that you're living in these days and age. So if you are totally enamored by the architecture and the structure of the pyramids and the temples and whatnot, well, nowadays, you know what I'm saying? In these days and times, that's called construction and brick masonry and things of that. Like, apply yourself to that field. You know, if you see that, if, if you're interested into the light codes and in the, the whole digital realm, well, apply yourself to code writing. Create, create websites. Create a, you know, jump into that digital world because it's facts. You know, the Moorish thing is attractive to you and you want to, you know, and you, you, you relate to Abdul Rahman III and, and the, the Abbasid dynasty and whatnot and you want to wear silks and robes and what, like get into designing. Like, like you know, there's this, it's, it's something that you can do in these days and get into filmmaking. There's epics that need to be made, epic films. I'm talking about not one, I'm talking about in the line of Star Wars where there's like eight series getting to that field. These stories need to be told. We need costume designers. We need people to write the scripts. We need film art. We need videographers and all of these things. This is what's going to propel us into a high civilization. You know what I mean? Not bumping our gums and regurgitating information. That's good for the teaching phase, class, in my humble opinion, for about 30 to 40 years right now. 
with high-level information. So it's definitely time to take those pieces of coal and turn it into diamonds. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Well said. Well said. First and foremost, always remember, however, to do your Clark Kent. Don't feel bad about doing your Clark Kent because you know who you are. Like Brother Spread, you're going to be able to change into that part, that superhero. Do your Clark Kent. Put on your glasses. Stumble around in the outer world. You don't have to know who you are. Flip your burgers, sweep your street, clean your windows, do whatever you have to do, especially if you're in school. Do your school. You enough time for card playing and partying and stuff like that. I know how it is. Uh, you know, it's, there, is, there has to be a place where you get in serious now. It has to be something that you're doing. You're dedicating yourself to do something that you want to refine yourself in the outer world, be able to survive, there are certain tools that you must have in order to get certain monies, in order to have a roof and some food. Yeah, you can do those. But always know that you're developing that superhero within you. That's the part that actually is going to be the success. The thing about it is, and again, most people who have the least, I'm talking about the truly content. I'm not just talking about success and happiness. I'm talking about con- contentedness. If you have contentedness, then that's the Buddha energy. That's the, you, you can crave certain things. You can go out and do. You can create from a space of contentment. Some people say once you don't have any more, if you, you know, those missed meal cramps that they used to gorge you on to do. When you couldn't eat and you didn't have no food, you go out there and create something so you can have food. No, creativity does not have to always come from an emergency situation. Yeah, it's good for you to be able to dance on your feet and know how to get things done in that manner. But you do not have to live in emergency mode constantly. And that's how they have you. That's how this society has you. It has you on emergency lockdown. You're constantly worried about the rent. You're constantly worried about Popo pulling you over. You're constantly worried about all the things that they tell you you should be worried about. They keep you on overdrive. They keep you on adrenaline overdrive. And that does not allow you to create from a space of creativity within the spirit. You're creating from, from fear. You're creating from – that's why if I look at I look up some of the artwork that's out there now, not from the conscious but from the unconscious, it is – I mean, it's demonic because they are actually eking that kind of creativity and putting it out there for people and actually extolling that demonic kind of energy – and that lascivious kind of whorish energy, mental whoring, not just the physical whoring, but I'm talking about the kind of fear whoring and fear mongering that has us regurgitating and reflecting that kind of energy back in our creativity. It's happened in the, in the music. It's happened in the art world for those people who are dealing from that perspective. And it's been dealing in films. I mean, the films are becoming more and more frightening and horrendous. And I keep telling people they're demonic. The way that they actually give life to these beasts through the movies is by allowing those who create the movies, they go to Hollywood, and those people who create those demonic shapes, those demonic situations, they're being nurtured by those off-realm entities 
and they are getting the ability to live and have experience and be able to express an experience and feed from those experiences because you are actually putting what they are doing in order to get you to throw off that fear energies for them to feed. I know it sounds crazy. It doesn't sound like it's real because you can't tell that, or it's tangible for you to say, here, I can touch that. But know that there are entities that are feeding on fear, and they must keep that thing ratcheted up to 10. And now, since you all now are so bugged, let me just give you an idea. Back in the day when potato chips first came out, the salt content was not anywhere near as high as it is today. So now back about 30 years ago when I had a bag of chips, there was nowhere near the kind of salt that was in there today. It's like 50 to 60% salt now. Why? Because each generation that was hooked on the salt content prior to the next generation had to have a higher content of salt in their potato chips just to get a feeling or a rush because the senses were numbed. It's the same thing happening to you when you are using your fear factor, your fear energy. The more they get your adrenaline to shoot into your system, the less reactive you are and the more apathetic you are to horror, the more apathetic you are to looking at horror, to hearing horror, to be experiencing and going one-to-one with horror. So this kind of apathetic feeling also translates into your creativity, and it also causes a dampening effect in your success, that success that comes with being happy. Peace. <laughs> it's Brother Blue. I, I just Brother so happened to have, yeah, I resided, I lived in Hollywood for a few months while I was out here in Los Angeles, and it's a very um, uncomfortable energy. There are things that are taking place in Hollywood that I really wouldn't care to speak on because the family, you know, you probably couldn't grasp that level of what this brother's talking about in terms of one debasing themselves so much to bring these entities in willingly to have them now, you know, occupy their vessel so they could channel this information in the way that they're going about utilizing the way that they go about utilizing that particular platform that they have, you know, the um the fifth arm of government, which is propaganda, which is media, they are putting these, they're fighting a war through the silver stream. And the war is for your mind, it's for your consciousness. The way that they can now insert triggers into your mind. So, again, automatically, when you see the movie 12 Years a Slave and you see Django and you see, you know, The Help and all these other movies that will be coming, that will be promoting and supporting the whole concept of slavery, automatically your mind is going to go directly to the slave ship and that experience that they tell you about the Middle Passage. So nationality and what the Moors have been saying for X amount of years, it's they're now starting to catch on and, and it's becoming popular with movies, documentaries like Hidden, Coast, like Hidden um, Colors. So this machine is now formulating and casting one hell of a spell. Okay, 
to lull you not only back into sleep, but show you your condition on screen and have you cheer about it, okay? So they can show you 12 years of slave where this person was supposedly, quote, unquote, free, and they can go into this whole aspect of contract law and how they fold it back in using the paperwork. They can show you this, but then you could be having a conversation with someone in the barbershop about it in this day and age, and you're telling them that they're crazy. They can show you Godzilla and get you excited that this movie's coming out. You're like, finally, I'm going to take my seat to see this shit. I've been telling them about Godzilla since he was born. But now you have lived long enough to see the conditions that created Godzilla via Fukushima, but you don't pay no attention to that. So you're, you're, you're taking now the blue pill to say, look, I, I just, you know, I want, I'm into the fiction. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm in it for the fantasy. I can't wait for this shit to come out. Like, they have whole segments on the football show dedicated to fantasy football. <laughs> I can never get next to that. about that. Like, they really get into it. Like, oh, shit. Like, the <laughs> football about. team is doing this thing. Now, I don't know about the real world, the real world teams, but you know what I'm saying? And like, that's <laughs> deep. This is this is. I this never is really knew about what that football was. I mean, that's interesting. You said that because, it, it, what what is there about participating? Again, you said something very, very uh, pertinent because the idea of media or media and. That was, yeah, for the illusion. Remember, it's about the weaver of illusion. And uh, what better illusion than Medea being looking like a man but being really being a woman? Anyway, a that's woman, another right. The whole thing is that uh, when you are dealing with media, you're dealing with vicarious experience, which is to lull you into a place of uh, beta mode, alpha mode, I mean. And the idea is that you are participating in your mind, but your physical body, which is necessary to link with the mind in order for being a whole pe- person, a whole being, you cannot do that. When you're hooked into media, when you're hooked into entertainment, when you're hooked into being voyeurs, because sports watching, um, media watching, and just looking at someone else performing for you, that's secondhand experiential energy. Not Say I played a little bit of football myself, I played a little basketball myself, I ran track myself. That's an experience I had that's personal to me. I got crashed, I got hit, I went up for the layup, I did the jump shots, I ran the track, I passed the baton, I did all of those things. I know what they feel like. Nine times out of ten there are people who've never played any of these games. You see a football stadium full of 50,000, 75,000 people that's in there, at least three-fourths of them have never played the game. Okay, so everything essentially is a vicarious experience. It's secondhand. They've never touched a football. They don't know what it is to get cracked back or hit and get your bell rung. They don't know what football is without, but they like the excitement. They're told to watch. It's that gladiator arena kind of thing. So we are hooked up now. We, we, we release high-energy adrenaline juices into our system by the excitement of putting ourselves in the places of the people that are doing the things on the screen. We identify with the Shiro or the Hero or the Heru. We identify with the person who is being terrorized. We identify the person who seeks revenge for us. 
especially when we see uh, a person like uh, Django having revenge for us. This is why I, I cannot get into anything where Europeans feel comfortable about black movies. I say this to my brothers and sisters who are there who rush to give their monies, especially to black movies, that essentially say, well, we've got to support them. They don't get enough job or work. We might as well support them. Understand and understand that any time you see white people talk about the, the, the butler and have four stars and the greatest thing uh, to everything and the great movie, and know that these white people feel very comfortable walking out of the theater, that their position as the so-called superior race is still intact. They feel comfortable that the niggas are still in place yeah. and that we can always... Or we can always clap for them and their small achievements as long as it does not threaten our white supremacist position in society. Any movie. I'm sorry, yes. I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. You had something. Real quick to what you were just saying, because I shared this with the brother Blue Pill the other night. I was on the New York City transit on a train the other day. And I saw, it, you know, when you have one of those eureka moments, mm-hmm. it, it, I, I, there was an incident and everything made sense to me. And we were on the train. It was like four Caucasians, uh, two lesbians, and two Caucasian guys. And there was a sister who I'm assuming may have been homeless or had mental health issues. And in between the ride, she just started singing in one of those Negro spirituals. You know how, how, the, how the homeless people, they always sing like those, and we coming home. And, and right. it, 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 it was that thing that snapped, and I was like, yo, these Europeans are watching these slave movies, and they're, they're, they're bringing it because I'm looking at the smirks on their face and how it's like they had that inside joke thing going on. And I was like, yo. The Tankos, the Helps, the Butlers, they are reinforcing their position. They're watching the movies to reinforce their position for today. It has nothing to do with it being a period piece. They now are able Mm -hmm. to look at Negroes in in a lower position to say, I know why he's there. I know why she's there. I know they're Mm -hmm. slaves. These these are the new slaves. And and we're we're watching how it happened, but they're not saying I want to trade places or we don't feel we feel bad about this shit. Mm -hmm. They're like, yo, Mm -hmm. thanks for the history lesson. Now we know who Mm -hmm. we're dealing with. So yes, these movies are completely dangerous. If you have a young child, you should be ashamed of yourself. In the era, even though I don't agree with this whole Barack Obama thing, they were born into my son was born into the world seeing the image of a melanated man in the in the power. How the hell would I take him to go see the butler? Why mm-hmm. would I exactly. with that? Exactly. And that's why when they started to make the movie Panther, they gave that boy so much problems about funding him. That's why when they did the movie um uh, the movie, what is the movie that came out that everybody was so happy about when they showed you the slave journey from the uh, from Africa over to here? Uh, not Quilombo, the other one. Uh, the one, uh, uh, Sankofa. 
when Sankofa, I believe, came out, everybody was all happy. But when I went to see that movie, I was there hoping to see some kind of, you know, Nat Turner moment. Nothing. Everything about that movie, from the person who said that they had, they did his best, it took him like years to get it to done. He had to cut it like 16 times and reshoot 16 times in order to get the funding because every time he took it there, every time he took that movie to the screen to, to show them what he had done, the person who was funding them, the whites who were funding them said, you can't show that, you can't show that, you can't show that. So in that entire movie, if you were to look at it and micro-examine it, micro-analyze it, you will see that it did everything to undermine the pride and to undermine the dignity of African peoples, even though you felt all good about what it is that the people were doing, because we feel good because we all have the talent to make convey all kinds of things. We are the baddest. In fact, there are white actors. My, my, my friend, who is a black-ass brother, who was my um, uh, acting coach, he says that the secret in Hollywood is that all the superstars study black people, watch the way they act, especially he was up for a role in Apocalypse Now. And the role of Apocalypse Now was the way uh, he said that when he went there, that Coppola had nothing but brothers in this particular place, this, uh, this theater that they rented out to audition for the black part that was in Apocalypse Now. But he had other blacks playing Brando's part, he had blacks playing the guy who was the, um, the guy sent up the river to kill him. He had blacks playing all the different parts and then filming them so that the white actors could definitely see what they did with the parts. So know that you can always command an audience with whatever it is you do. The problem when everybody got all excited about Django and the rest of them is that if you do not see us in command at the end and alive at the end and free at the end and in command completely at the end, not Django free, I'm talking about truly in command of your situation, like we see African kings that drove these Caucasians out for 5,000 years when they were coming out of the caves. We don't see those thousands of years of victory against them. We only see the last ditch effort of us stemming the tide because at every time we see any kinds of movies with blacks having any fights against whites, it's always the inevitable about the time when they were defeated. They always show you at the time when they were defeated, not the time when they defeated the whites for so long. There's only one movie that came out. It was called Zulu Dawn. I know most of you all never heard of that movie. Zulu Dawn was the only movie that showed you how Getsueo kicked those Africanas' asses, the British and all of them. That's the only movie. The only movie they do show about Zulu is just the word that says Zulu when the Zulus were taken back by those hundred people uh, when they, um, those hundred soldiers, white soldiers, uh, kept those 2,000 Zulus at bay. That's the movie they show you all the time but they never show you the movie called Zulu Dawn. That's the movie you need to find and take a look at at the time. When they, when it gets well, they showed you how the commanders, the Zulu commanders, were military tacticians 
And for 50 years, they drove that European crazy. They never tell you about those. But in all of the movies that you see come out here today about black folks, it's either Oprah Winfrey, anything with Oprah Winfrey in it, anything with Tyler Perry in it, anything with these house Negroes, you should definitely boycott because they feed into the slave, mammy, step-and-fetch-it mentality, and that is dead. They keep it alive. And like you were saying, brother, when the sister started singing spirituals, that cracker started acting as if this is the plantation and I'm real comfortable. If anybody walks out of a theater after looking at a black movie and white folks ain't scared shitless of the black man next to him, that movie was there to make them feel good, not you. Word is born. Yeah, so, you know, Dr. Valentine, being out here on the ground and seeing it for myself up close because every single day, you know, they're shooting movies out here, out in the open, you know, multiple sets all over the place. And you really see that it's a power dynamic. And if it is to be infiltrated, it's going to have to happen from outside of Hollywood because... There's just there's a hierarchical system, and there's an indoctrination process that goes on here, and like really, in order for someone to fit into that role and to be accepted, to be awarded a position of power where you can have impact in this particular role, you know, out here you have to be uh, demasculated, you have to be feminized. They got to know that you are their bitch in one way or another, or Yes. You're just so crafty with your work and successful that you have an amount of pull, like, say, Denzel Washington. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Today, I, it's you know, funny because I'm looking at this bitch, but. Yeah. I'm looking at all of what is coming out in the media as far as business is concerned, and we're talking business again. And we're talking about yes. people uh, not – we're talking movies, and I'm talking about young uh, people of color, brothers and sisters, who want to make movies and worry about having distribution. This is what we need to be doing. We need to be buying up property where these films can be shown, where we can show our work at the lower – I mean, that's how they Thanks. started in Hollywood. That's how they started. Empire exactly. of their own. They started in – Nickelodeon Theaters family, can I can I very quickly just share the story because I've shared it before. Mm-hmm. And even being out here, you know, I read the book on my way out here. So when I got out here, I felt reinvigorated, like, oh, we can do this. You know what I'm saying? We can raise livelihood out here, but it has to be done very craftily. And with with, with the um with the Eastern uh, Jewish merchants that were the progenitors of Hollywood what they first did was that they were in the New York City slums. They just came over from East Europe. They were into some of the same street things some of us have been involved with. They were, you know, doing petty thefts and things like that. Then one uh, one dude got involved with the fur trade, and that fur trade took him to the Midwest. When he was in the Midwest, he was in a town that the majority of the town were like coal miners and people that put in, 
very hard labor during the day, so they wanted recreational things to do at night and just kick back with their family. So they had Nickelodeon arcade theaters downtown. They would come to these arcade theaters, and the people that were the proprietors of the arcade theater noticed that the the machine that was getting the most business was a eye projector that you look into. You know, family, like, you got the little eye projector, you got the, the little eye projector, you got the picture inside of the projector, and when you look inside the hole, the picture appears so much bigger. Well, they had a crank where they were able to turn these pictures, and that was the first moving picture, okay? And then from that moving picture concept, the dude had a eureka moment, and he said, if I clear upstairs out, right, if I take all of the games out of the upstairs, because the upstairs is not making as much money as downstairs, and there was a method, it was a methodical way that he approached how to increase the revenue. He said, we're going to be making change upstairs to have a live viewing of these moving pictures on a bigger screen. We're going to break the change for the people on the way down, and they're going to have to pass the arcade. So the arcades downstairs started doubling up, and the viewing that he had upstairs was successful. They told him that he was crazy. They told him he was out of his mind. He didn't know what he was talking about. They never heard such a crazy idea in their life. He had a hunch and he went ahead. You know what I'm saying? He took a risk. Feel me? And the reward outweighed the risk because now he was able to just add steps and stages onto that presentation. So what did he do next? He did it where it was color. He did it next where it was sound. You know what I'm saying? Then he did the combination. And what he ended up doing by making his bread, he was an exhibitor. That's where he would be considered an exhibitor, someone who produces content and presents it to the venue, which is the theater that shows the content. So the exhibitors now started getting into the business of theaters, and this is where Fox Theater and all of these conglomerates came from, okay? So now theater owners started getting into movies. They wanted to be the exhibitors. And then these people interchanged skills and what have you, and then they started going amongst the second generation, the children of the Eastern European immigrants, okay? And they started hiring them because now they were the intellects. They were the ones that were going to school for business. They were the ones that were going to school for theater. So they brought in a younger generation, like every quote-unquote immigrant group does that comes to this country, okay? The majority of them dabble in some sort of, um, you know, mid-level, what they call middle-income economics, and then there's a hustler class, a gangster class that gets into some sort of illicit activity. They always take those finances and send their children to higher education. Those children, in part, graduate and bring the parents out of the quote-unquote ghetto or the slums or what have you, and every single group has been able to do that except for who and what they deem the quote-unquote African-American. You know what I'm saying? Could it be because you're not an immigrant? So what are the skills of your forefathers in this particular land? You know, it definitely should be about, you know, moving around and taking a product and going from one place to another. As we were always, even in Kemet, even in Akibalan, we were traders. We moved around. You know what I'm saying? And what are we transporting these days? I mean, we, we did our thing with the crack. Moved that shit around all around the country. You know, but you can have these traveling troops now showing these films that you're able to develop in your own in the comfort of your own home with a green screen. You know what I'm saying? You could do it in a few set locations. 
the thing about infiltrating this particular system, you know, you small, you start out with your with your means. You start out small. You do a, fund, a crowdfunding campaign. You know, 50 racks with all of the equipment out right now, you could shoot something phenomenal. There was a book written by Robert Rodriguez where he explained how he shot the movie, the, uh, the precursor to Desperados. El Mariachi is a movie that he shot with $700 because he was able to learn the cameras. And this is before cameras were digitized. This was back when he was doing things the old way. So there are theaters that are out of business now. There are play halls. You can gut a brownstone out and lower a screen and beam that screen in and just build seats in the venue and have that as like a, a, a an expanded home theater where you're getting a rotating audience of people paying for 100 seats, just like they come into lectures. Have them come in to see your movie. Have mixes at venues like this. And then have that and travel it around the country, enter it into, you know, the different film festivals, get critical acclaim, and use the press as your weapon. Use the press. Use the Internet. Use social media and social networks to bring these people to their knees. But tell a story that wants to be told that will gravitate and connect with the people. We do not have to wait on Hollywood, okay? We can start Gollywood our own damn selves, family. Very well said. Excellent. This is this is part of what we have to do in order to free ourselves. We have to tell our own story. Uh, everyone else is telling our story. Everyone else is writing it. Everyone else is telling us how to act it out. We know our own story. We know what is necessary. The thing is that a lot of people uh, would essentially become non-compassmentous, they would be neutralized in the lies that they've been telling, and that would go for the Jews of Hollywood as well. They had black uh, film uh, makers back in the days, in the 20s. Uh, they found in a barn underneath a, a barn uh, uh, hundreds of reels from a black director that was essentially had his own black Hollywood, but he was uh, driven out and suppressed uh, it isn't that we weren't trying to do this ourselves. Uh, we were, in every way, the competition. And remember, you asked the question, was very pertinent, why is it the blacks are not doing it? There is a collective white supremacy. You have to understand that the Jews, the Italians, the Irish, the Swedes, all of them, everyone came together and said, look, the main competition our former teachers and the children of the former teachers, that's our main competition. And if we are to flourish using all of their talents and what they left us, if we are to take advantage for the survival of our kind, we have to come together to make sure that whatever we do is against them first before we go against each other. So remember that before anything else. And there was a movie out, I think, that was done by that real fat uh, European white guy, I forgot his name, but he did a movie a long time ago, uh, I think it was called Canadian Bacon. And you need to check that movie out because there's a part in that movie where the military man uh, who was played, uh, I forgot the name, the guy who played in, uh, with Will Smith in uh, Men in Black, he played Z. And he played a general in this particular uh, movie. And 
one of the things they wanted to do was attack Canada. They needed a war for some reason in order to maintain their military might and superiority and to keep the budget for the military. And, and of course, this was a kind of a movie that was a kind of a spoof. It was a satire. But he mentioned something, and you know, in satires, they really tell you the truth, like uh, the How I Learned to Love the Bomb, Dr. Strangelove. That's another movie you need to check. But there's a movie that's called Canadian Bacon, and in that movie, they were speaking about dropping a certain weapon or kind of bomb on uh, the Canadians. And one of the white generals from the other side said, no, we promise, remember, there is article so-and-so, number 8-2, that states that the most dangerous and heinous weapons can never be used against other white countries. They have an inside law amongst themselves that the most heinous technologies for killing and wreaking havoc will never be done on Europeans and other white countries. And that's why you see in Iraq they, they, they use the kind of uh, munitions that they do and they drop the kind of bombs and do the kinds of heinous things that they do over there, the weaponry, the testing, the kind of experimental kinds of weapons of mass destruction and murder and killing, the genocide. They never do that against themselves. They made an oath. So when you know the reason why we have to be ten times better than they, just like you were speaking about crushing that coal into diamonds, the more pressure they put upon us, the better we get at doing what we need to do. And that's why they now, because of who they are, have to become more militaristic and ballistic, and why they have to kill more and more of us, because essentially all these years of repression and suppression are turning out diamonds, and there's no way they're going to stop this unless they do the mass killings that they do against the black community right now. And they kill us not only in the body, but first in the mind. That's where they start killing your children in the schools. That's why you can't be teaching your children by giving your children over to the enemy to teach, period. Know this, that the first place they kill your children or they kill you is in the schools. They kill your mind. They kill your ability to learn. They kill your, your, your wish to learn and your drive to learn. But never feel badly about failure as a black man or woman because essentially that's you coming up to bat with two strikes. You have to make sure that you get that good that the one swing you get is a home run. You're taking it to the house. And that's why we are better than anything. Every time they let us to the door, we take it over. They know that. So don't feel badly about not being able to be accepted with your music, with your art, with your acting, with your, with your clothing designs, with in the workplace when you come up with ideas. All of these things, they know where it comes from. You are the common enemy. The black man and the black woman is the common enemy of the planet. Okay? They know who we are because they have lived and flourished off of everything that we left them in the carnage that they wreaked when they attacked us and took us over. But we, again, have ourselves to blame for that. Because if we don't learn what defeated us, if we get all starry-eyed about building pyramids and doing gods and goddesses and all that, that does not let you know why the gods fell. Why did you fall? Study why you fell. 
study what happened. How did they infiltrate? How did they destroy? How did they get inside to bring us down? And what are they doing to maintain that particular hold on us? When you study those things, you will rise because you already have the gifts to rise. You must study why you fell and stop looking in the mirror and thinking that it's all about God. You've got work to do. And once you find out, once you find out the formula that they've been using to keep you down through education, through entertainment, through sports, through media, through all of the ways that society, and Dr. Neely Fuller showed it to you, he told you, all the different ways that white supremacy works. Once you have taken all that information and homogenized it and used it and brought it together so that it comes together as one type of formula that you know how to act from, don't just study it, but act on it, then you will become successful. That's success. Indeed. Let me, uh, I want to take one second and open up my co-host's line. His line just dropped. Brother Red, are you there? Peace. Back with Peace. Us. That's uh, interesting. I wanted to add on what Dr. Valentine was saying. I just, just to show you how synchronicity works, at 7 o'clock tonight, me and the brother out of uh, Houston, shout out to the guard, Talit. Me and the brother was just having this conversation about what you just touched on, dealing with the falling of the gods. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about how we got infiltrated from within. Even when you go into, I don't even hear Morris talk about it. So, you know, I don't hear people separate the Greco-Roman period versus the period of, 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 of decadence that took place in Kemet, not Egypt, but Kemet. There was a period of decadence where all kinds of things were taking place, and that led to the falling of those empires. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff that, were, that the Greeks adopted. They, they were attributed to the Greeks. But from my research, there was a lot of behaviors and whatnot that the Greeks picked up on, that whole uh, Typhonian set ritual that, that, that takes place. You know what I mean? When you when you go into the history of Set and Heru, what did he do to Heru? That, that that was the first time I came across anything of that nature. And that's an ancient story. Yeah, these are most of our the fall. Yeah, I'm sorry. Most of the most of the fall stories are based upon us. And they understand what happened, and they know what happened to us. They know what they did to help and to maintain that. And they, and they did get help. They got help from us uh, to do that. And, and as far as people talking about how we fell, you know, for the last 10, 15 years, I've been trying to tell the brothers and sisters to stop worrying about how great we were building pyramids back then. We know that. That's the effect. What was the cause? Let's deal with the cause. That's how you heal a disease. You deal with the cause, not with the symptom. So, yes, we knew how to build pyramids, and we still do, because it's all ingrained in our DNA. We got the black matter. We have the dark matter consciousness. We got the melanin. So we already got the blueprint to be great. The problem is, what is it that caused us to come down in the first place? 
And thus, it brings us to the question that I posed a few episodes ago. Is it possible, is it possible for a nigga and a god to occupy the same body and work congruently without canceling one another out? <laughs> That's a good question. You always got your dark side because no matter wherever you are, wherever the light is, there's always going to be a shadow since you're there in it. If you're standing in the light, you're going to have a shadow. And always know that the shadow is actually the real you. There's a part of you that's always there that's going to be able to be turned. All of us have our dark side, and I'm talking about not black, but our dark side, which essentially is the part of us that is ignorant of the ways that our passion and our emotions can take us over. And, and there are entities that come in on those. They use them. It's like a door. Your emotions are a door. Entities can enter through your emotional doors, and they can possess you. So right. if they get with your emotions being, ramped up. Mm-hmm. Yes, with that being said, right. I, I had um, was preparing to return to New York for this weekend. There's a few events taking place in New York. And I did a reading on these events. I went to my I Ching, my three pennies, you know, I'm in the copper. And there was a very, it was a very profound reading, 110% on point. And what was communicated to me, I will share some of it tonight. I want to share the, the rest of it on Friday. And maybe save some of it until after the quote-unquote debate. But it was speaking about time of deterioration. It was speaking about, you know, a breakdown due to uncontrollable egos, you know, the egos that have now engulfed the community and the house is fully in flames and people are looking for comfort in the basement of that house. Pure lunacy, in fact, taking place at this particular time. Do you, especially one that is attributed with being one of the founding fathers of what we currently know as the metaphysical underground, based on what you've been seeing in the developments and the, the, the loss of what one would perceive to be control, you know what I'm saying? Do you think that this house has to burn down before it be built again? Well, in the case. I, I, I want you to take account as well of the timing, you know, the timing that we're in and the fact that you know, these grand spectacles come around during these particular times, you know, to resonate on these particular frequencies, the winter solstice and things of that nature, you know, the changing of the guard and when we're descending into the coldest place and the sun is dying, you know, and then we have these particular bouts with no resolution dealing with bettering our community. Like, let's say every one person that had attended these debates contributed a can of food or a, a bushel of fruit or vegetables, a dollar, a coat, anything. There's a community that's right outside of those doors that we've been commissioned as a fallen to pick up because that's a fallen humanity, right outside our door. You know, I literally step over them every single day that I'm out here in L.A., and I go and get food and come back and I feed it to them so I know what needs to be done in terms of the urgency of it. And if someone is listening, is living in... um you know, in Bubblefuck, Iowa, then you can make an excuse that you may may not be seeing it. But for everyone else, 
I know that you're running into this head on, you know. So at what point, if we're standing on the shoulders of our elders and we're saying that we're occupying this particular place and we've taken up this task to uplift fallen humanity and that job is not being properly done when it's within our abilities to do it, what are the ramifications for pump faking at this time in the universe? Seeing everything else that nature is doing to rid itself, you know what I'm saying, of, of things that are unwanted and unhealthy to the planet, you know, what do you feel is going on in the conscious community and how does the micro connect to the macro? Well, first things first, if you want to deal from alchemy, you ask, does this have to come down? I would remember a uh, a quote that is what is known as the Vedamikam of the philosopher alchemist. And what is the Vedamikam of the philosopher alchemist? It goes not to destroy but to construct, or rather to destroy by construction, to conquer error by the full presentation of the truth. And that's exactly what you all are doing. These have to be destroyed. There's parts of us that first have to be destroyed because the world is us and we are the world. If we don't change, then the world won't change. There are things that we have now caught ourselves up into that are automatic. We're on automatic pilot. We're fixed. We're in a loop. We're gerbils running in a wheel. If we don't hop off that wheel, we're going to be going nowhere. We're just going to be just burning ourselves out and doing things that we think we should be doing that are right, but we're not doing the right things at all. Uh, I know it's in such a medium that we have here that we can only discuss and I can only impart what it is that needs to be done through words and I can't get the full impact of what must be done because guess what, once you turn this off, you've got to go and deal with what's in your house, what's mundane, what's in your fridge, what's, what's outside your work the next day and things of that nature. There's a routine to failure. There's a routine to the kind of uh, oppressive thinking that we're in. We are stuck. We are caught in a routine of failure. And, 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 and this kind of routine that we have, we have to examine. What do we do, as I said, as you get out of bed and your feet first hit the floor? You go to the bathroom and then you start the routine all over again. There's something that you have to feel inside of you that gives you the courage enough to go ahead and say, no, I'm no longer going to do the routine. Now, again, I am not telling you just to go ahead and jump off the cliff like Don Juan told Carlos Castaneda to do. I'm saying examine the routine that you call your life because you may be so far stuck in it that you have cut a groove so deep you can't climb out of it. And you're so comfortable in that routine right now that changing it will change everything in your body. You feel your whole body will not be able to survive that change or that shift. But I'm saying this, that success, just like failure, is a routine. It is you doing what success is. It is knowing the formula for success begins with you. It's not about doing something. It's about becoming someone first before you do something. The commitment begins with you changing yourself, your attitude, your outlook, the kind of way that tells the world nothing you do or throw at me will change what I know to be success and happiness for me because success cannot be success without happiness. And you have to be happy doing what it is that you do for success. 
Otherwise, it's just a job. No matter how much it's paying you, it's a job. So understand that you have to change first. Every molecule in your body that represents your thought process on the atomic level, that then forms your microbes and, 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 the, and the DNA and your molecular structure, all that's where success begins. And it begins in the mind because, remember, matter follows mind. Matter follows mind. So when anybody says, what's the matter? Know that whatever it is got to have started in your mind. So know that you have to change your mind before you change your outlook to success or whatever it is in your life that you wish to look like success. Be happy, find out. I mean, if you even got to document it down, what is happiness to me? And write down everything. And make sure that whatever it is that you're doing, you are already being that. If you are not happy with the way you look and what you are doing and how you're doing it and you're satisfied that what you're doing is making you feel good while you're doing it, then know that thing is going to drain you. Whatever it is you're doing that you are not happy with doing, you are being drained by that. You are not being filled by it. You are not being fed by it. You are being drained by it. So change your outlook to who you are and then get yourself focused on what you love to do because if you love to do it, it means you must do it well. And above and beyond anything else that you do, always seek happiness first. I don't care if they're hope. I mean, I've talked to some people who are the homeless on the out there, they, they, they're hard-pressed, they look real bad, and I've gone and I've talked to them just like you. And they have this resolve. You know, they say, man, I look at you, you look well-dressed, you got to wash those clothes every day, don't you? I said, well, I have to wash them every other day or so, yeah. you got to make sure your nails are clean, don't you? I said, yeah. I'm saying, you know something, you are the epitome of the Buddha at that time because you have now forsaken the flesh and you will never have any more cravings that the flesh will call you back into the flesh to have to, uh, to, um, to participate in. That's what Buddha said. Buddha said your trap is that you yearn to live, a, uh, live in the body. You yearn for a body. You want a body. You want the sensations of the body. You want the sensations of success. But you have to convert that. You have to take the alchemy of your actions and convert the feelings so that you can convert the cellular structure to understand that you are already in ma'at. Do not seek something outside of yourself, the satisfaction of making money in order to achieve ma'at. Ma'at must be achieved within first so that you can extol that, you can, you can express that. The world and the universe only responds to what your mind is telling it to respond to. <laughs> so with that, I can, uh, I can safely say that I am extremely happy with my life. I'm very happy for the brothers and sisters and the acquaintances that I have and the friends that I have. I'm happy for the children that came through me that showed me that there was the best thing that I've ever done in my whole alchemic existence, uh, that 
the work that I'm doing in teaching and turning on the lights or enlightening uh, the minds and souls and beings of brothers and sisters around the world, I'm very satisfied. I feel good because I feel accomplished. I don't have multi-millions. I ain't got, you know, I ain't got uh, Rockefeller's money. But I may have the joy that he seeks in his money. I ain't got that. I ain't got it. I don't need that vicarious kind of love or that vicarious kind of joy. I got the real thing. I got the show enough stuff that cannot be broken. And I do think that that is a perfect segue into um, describing what it is that the title of the show tonight pertains to, the conscious dollar versus the unconscious dollar. And I just wanted to veggie back off of what it is that you are building on, Dr. Valentine, because I often sit back and make the same analogy about, you know, my journey, my life, and the fact that when me and Blue were mixing it up in the industry, when we were in the streets, you know, when we were doing, I think, in the 90s and the early 2000s, that currency or fiat was never hard to come by. You know, we lived on the edge uh, we flirted with death, you know, we actually, uh, you know, we went out there, we were go-getters and jet-setters and things of that nature, and we uh, accumulated a lot of money doing so. But there was always this emptiness. We always had court cases hanging over our heads. Uh, we always had issues with not fulfilling the vision that our parents had for us. We would have to come amongst our father and our mother and, you know, know that, that the love wasn't there the way that it should be. There was a sense of disappointment because we weren't living up to uh, our, our name, our family's name. And, um, you know, it is what it is. It was what it was. It was an experience. But there was an emptiness. There wasn't a spiritual wealth that we were able to say that we had. Like, you know what I'm saying? There was this, this, there was this, this bankrupt bank account somewhere that it was like, wait a minute, my whole drawer is filled up with money. I walk outside with bail money on me, spending money and tricking money. You know, my, my phone stays ringing with, with all of these fine video vixens and things like that. Shout out to y'all. Absolutely. And, um, absolutely. Yes, huh? absolutely. I know that feeling, brother. I know exactly. It was like, yeah, but, you know, I didn't have any children. None, we didn't have any children at that point. You know, uh, a lot of our friends were being uh, killed in front of us and, and taken from us, either doing jail bids and whatnot. So, you know, we were basically, you know, dishing money over to the, to the families and stuff like that. But there was something missing. When we got introduced to something that changed our lives, forever, and that was the information, by Karis, you know, by way of the, D, the VHS tapes and the LIU lectures and acquaintances with brothers like Black Dot, uh, Brother Chris, and other um, Shabazz, and other brothers who <clears throat> introduced us to this new way of thinking 
and there's no way of looking at life. You know what I mean? And these 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 uh these outstanding personalities like a brother Bobby Hemmett, we were we were we were riding around listening to Farrakhan and and then uh, Naeem Akbar in the in the tape deck on the way to do crime. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And not really, you know, I want to I want to clear that up. I want the family to think that we were out there hurting our own. You know, we were into the into the world of uh, you know, taking stuff from the quote unquote Caucasian. We was on our dead bread. That was our way of you know giving the, the the establishment the middle finger. Just coming out of that whole a militant background from our peoples and whatnot. But um, mm-hmm. when we began getting this information. The, uh, the access to money, it didn't necessarily start to slow up at a fast pace, but trials and tribulations began presenting themselves that challenged us. We, 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 we found ourselves in a new classroom, in a new school of thought, like a new college that we didn't even know we enrolled into. And as the years rolled on by, I decided that I wanted to participate in the community like in '04 as a vendor, because when I saw the brothers and sisters selling items and stuff like that, I, for one, um, was, uh, I used to do stylists in the, in the industry. I was working with the Brother Pitbull in Miami and doing other things, pulling clothes for other artists and whatnot, and I was also a blister, so I would go into the stores and take stuff. But when I, when I saw that, you know, I had a chance where I could make stuff and then sell it to my people and then put images of, um, you know, um, King Tut, which was unheard of at that time, images of, you know, Ox and stuff like that, images of the Heru Falcon. When I started to do the research, I was blown away. I was going to the Met Metropolitan Museum and stuff like that, and I was like, yo, if I put this on clothes, this would be crazy. Like, yo, people could walk around with the images on them, like this is this is revolutionary. Like you know, you know, everybody's at their stage of what they think revolutionary and, and, and groundbreaking is, and the money started to slow up. The, the fiat, right? The, the fiat started to slow up, but that spiritual bank account that was once on zero, that was somewhat defunct, began to pick up because the love, the, the admiration, the 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 Congratulations, the smiles on my parents' face, my grandfather's face. You know, these things began to fulfill me in ways that having a pocket full of money could never have. You understand? And then my, my child was born, and then everything changed. When my son was born in um, 07, I believe, yeah, 07, everything started to change, you know? And we decided, me and Blue decided that we were going to take this time and this opportunity to come from behind the scenes and step up. Hey, Rashid just came home. You know, you hit him with the coronation. You know what I'm saying? You told him, you know, you passed the baton. Like you said, you was a racer. You was a track runner. You, you know, you, you reached back and hit him with the baton and empowered the brother. And that was groundbreaking for us because in a million years, we wouldn't have fathomed something like that to, to occur. You know, and... It was. It just showed us that it was time to get busy. So we stepped up, and then things began to change. But the money started to slow down. I spoke mm-hmm. to a lot of people in the conscious community, 
And it's it's almost like we could all have the same conversation because a lot of people could relate. They'd be like, well, son, you know, as soon as I start studying, I stop making money. Like, what the hell is going on? And, (laughs) you know, I used to attribute it to being a monk. I used to attribute it to piousness. I used to attribute it to the fact that, you know, I don't know, brother, I find a similarity in some of these ancient texts that I read about, you know, there must be something... You know, there, must, there, there has to be a comparison the fact that, you know, when you get into the spiritual wealth, that finance, that, that fiat, that, that imaginary wealth, that paper paper might not come the same as it used to. You know, mind you, we're not out there doing the same things, but we did have products. <clears throat> we were dealing with our own people who said that, you know, that they were pro-black business and we should start our own business. But, they, you know... <laughs> The, you know, I, sometimes it seems like that's just words with a, with a lot of people, you know, because <laughs> they don't support the way that they say that they will. But, um, you know, I used to try to wrap my mind around it, like, why, what, it, what, it, what is this, this conscious dollar, you know what I mean? And, and I've, also, I've also had conversations with people who, you know, find themselves on the fence because it can get rough and, and, and things begin to slow up and they were living a certain lifestyle and they were taking care of their family in a certain way and it has, it has hindered, you know, their um, their relationships and it has hindered, you know, it, it has stunted their growth, you know what I mean, in terms of the, the, the way that the family was moving. Sometimes things had to really start cutting down. You know, the cable got turned off and, you know what I mean, it, the, the sneakers that the person used to buy, it was, you know, one pair of sneakers for six months now. So can you do acknowledge on that, 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 that whole scenario and, and, and just share with us if you can relate to that? Oh, yes, by all means, brother. Everything you were saying was taking me back and rewinding my own tape. To tell you the truth, my friend, when I first started out, and, again, I cannot allow – I do not – not that I don't allow, but I cannot speak for everyone else. Each one walks their own path. Uh, mine happened similarly. Instead, however, I was meant to go to college, to become a doctor in the whole nine yards. I took another path and went to music. And <clears throat> when I started just following my dream, I just said, to heck with it. I'm not going the path where, you know, a lot of my cousins, and I have nearly 80 cousins, if you believe it, and uh, all of these different paths that they took. Essentially, some took musicians' path, but most of them took the regular path of getting a job. I couldn't do that myself. But I'll tell you, when I first started out, I could not uh, be more grateful and be more humbly and lovingly thankful to my father and mother back when I had gone out and did all the adventures I needed to do that I came back to the house that we had and they allowed me to stay in the basement and to start my work in doing the things that I was doing. And that's where I actually, like you said, the monk, I, I mean, I grew the beard. The hair that you see me have now was down by my back. I was, people would cross the street when they saw me coming. It was like, you know, I was into another place. I mean, I was walking with the, you know, with the staff and looking like uh, the, the hoods. And I mean, I was just, I just experimented with myself. And it was so interesting because I didn't have any money at the time as well. But when you do who you are in your heart of hearts 
And the universe knows, and you open yourself up to the universe and you make that vision, you cast that vision forward. I'm telling you the alchemy of envisioning who and what you are and being it, not saying that I want to be that, but saying that I am that. A lot of people make the mistake and do not understand how mind power and alchemy, mind alchemy works. Mind alchemy works outside of time. If you trap mind alchemy in time, then you go through a process that keeps you almost feeling frustrated that you're not arriving at that vision. Knowing the vision and then living the vision and being in the isness of being, not in the was, not in the will be, but in the isness of being. It is when you speak of the thing that you wish to see happen as it is happening now and you are in it now, then you do not project yourself into a future. Now, know this that if I am in point zero and I say I want to be over there, then if you say I want to be that, then know that if you are not knowing that you are already that, that the point where you are and the point where you think you need to be creates distance, and distance creates time. So I'm giving you the secret to alchemy. The alchemy is that if I say I want to be something, it means that you have set your own time traps for yourself. If you do not claim that you are that now and act it, be it, obsess it, and know it, then the universe will not give you what it is that you think you want later on because the universe is responding. The alchemy of the mind is that the universe is responding to your mind. All is mind. All my students know that the first thing they study when they come here is that all is mind, and that any time you use your mind to do things in the third density, that you are actually projecting from fourth and fifth density, and that third density is where you get trapped in time. So your thinking process has to change. You look at time as yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's why you have caused the universe to act that way for you. But if you do not live in the moment that you wish to be, if that moment is not now, then it will never be. Or it takes so much time, it frustrates you, and you feel that I want to be that, I'm going to be that, I wish I could be that. No, you have to be it, or the universe does not respond. Oh. And that was profound right there. Yeah. It's only Absolutely. family. As 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 family, as you may recall, you know, Red Man shared this gym with y'all a while ago. I'll be there. I'll be <laughs> It always comes through the rappers, I'm telling you, but you know, because of the family, the way in which, you know, he has an affirmation on his song where it says, and, and they say, he ain't shit, and he goes, I'll be that. So he's using it in that context, but still the science is always there. You know what I'm saying? Family, whether you're looking at the math scientists or the sciences, the science is always there. Science is always being put in place. And this is the I am, whatever you say I am. The I am. Mm-hmm. I am that I am. Exactly. Yeah, you got to operate Know it and be it. 
the end of praise, in the isness of being. If you're not being in the isness, and that is the now, then you're stuck in the was. Because remember, your thoughts are only of the was. Let me say that again. Your thoughts are only of the was. Only your actions are of the now. Listen Mm. carefully to what I just said. In alchemy, your thoughts are always the was. So you cannot use thought to solve problems. You can only use it to recall what you've learned and then with where you are, do what is now. And in the business of being, shape your future. But you cannot live for what you think you want because that does not exist. And you cannot live for what you thought you should have been because that doesn't exist. So know that in the science of alchemy of the mind, know that you have to be in the isness of being. And then doing the now is the isness of being. And do what you say you wish to be in the future. Do it now. Practice it. Do whatever is necessary. Own it. Get the skills of whatever it is that you wish to be. Do that now because that's what you are. I am that not I will be that. Because as soon as you say I will be that, you've created time. That's profound, brother. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's profound. Hey, you just coined a new term. Isn't this? <laughs> That's an old term. <laughs> We've been doing, that's some of the things we teach at our school, the isness of being, understanding this, the difference between thought and intelligence. There's a difference between thought and intelligence. All thought is of the was. So anytime you're thinking of anything, it's only about recalling because your thought is nothing more than a container. And since thought is only a container, thought can only be of the past. It can only represent the accumulated experiences you've had. You cannot think of a thought that never was. You can only filter in through the conscious medium of the social consciousness or from the Akashic records, thoughts that have gone before. But all thoughts are essentially atoms, and as atoms, they already exist, and they're therefore there in the past. So therefore, all thoughts are in the past. Thinking is now. Say, for instance... I can help you to stop thinking. The way you stop thinking is by learning. Once you go into learning, learning stops thinking. My master said that. That was Krishnamurti. He said, if you are learning, you are no longer thinking. Thought stops. So to be staying in a constant state of learning, investigating, not trusting what thought is giving to you, because remember, if thought made you feel good about an embarrassing moment, or the thought made you feel good about protecting yourself against being injured emotionally, then that thought will be your friend and it will defend you and it will call you to to act from egotistical ways. Thoughts don't die very well. They don't really they don't really like to die out. So the worst thoughts you have, the ones that have been keeping you back but have been keeping you comfortable about the way you are. Those are the hardest to die, especially when somebody hits home with a truth about you. You defend yourself so badly against that truth because it hurt. That thought said, no, don't, don't, you, can't, you can't know that. So the thought begins to start defending you, and you start telling them, no, that ain't the way it is. That ain't the way it is, and you start attacking. And that's that thought. That thought wants to live. 
thought is a living thing. It breathes like you. In fact, it's one of your children, and it constantly calls to you from the inside of your mind, telling you, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. It screams like a whole house full of yelling, screaming children. And there are a lot of people who got all them thoughts inside of their head. Give me attention. Well, when you clean those, when you just, I mean, when, when you have a mass eviction of all those thoughts that have been weighing you down, and when you go into the silence, that's where you find the intelligence. Because intelligence is the silence. And when you find that silence, when you can evict all of those weighty thoughts that have been keeping you down, that's when you begin to start operating in the isness of being. Definitely some profound gems. You know, as somebody, someone in the chat said that uh, feels like in the Napoleon Hill audio, but it's more powerful coming from you, you know what I'm saying, and they just need to listen to this over and over, program their consciousness, and, uh, you know, press mm-hmm. that reset button. But we, I definitely want to say thank you for the clarity. Most welcome. For the Valentine, the Valentine, can we speak on briefly uh, the scourge of consumerism that um, has afflicted our people to the point that uh, Brother Kanye West affectionately termed it new slavery, all right? Uh, brothers and sisters who are basically slaves to brand labels and brand names, um, everything that's shiny and glittery and, uh, you know, but at the same time is not black-owned or Moorish or indigenous or aboriginally owned. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the statistics that have come out, Brother Claude Anderson, Dr. Claude Anderson, pardon me, and the, uh, the spending habits of uh, black America for the years, 2012, 11, 10, whatever, being in the trillions of dollars, the deep, uh, gross domestic product and whatnot, um, you know, is there any solution? Because we know what the problem is. We uh, we don't have to spend any time speaking of it. We could, uh, any of us who live in any major cities, when there's a sneaker release at the Jordan store, we know what it looks like. You know, brothers and sisters camping outside, you know what I mean, in their beach chairs and whatnot to get a pair of sneakers, uh, we've all seen Black Friday footage. You know, uh, anybody who has visited 125th Street, you see the spending habits of brothers and sisters who live in a, in a community that's under economic uh, warfare, but yet still they find it imperative to, uh, you know, frequent these stores that are not owned by their own. And they are very... Uh, very much against supporting the vendors that are in the streets. You know what I mean? There's, there's like, I'll say 2% or 3% of people that do stop and support the uh, vendors that are outside in Harlem, who, in my humble opinion, are black-owned businesses. Those are your mom and pops. They're just right there with a table in your face. So um, are there any solutions? Are there any ways to um, help reprogram our people to get into to get into um, group economics, uh, wealth building, crowdfunding, and things crowdsourcing and things of that nature. 
Uh, yeah, there has to be a mass social psycho-spiritual detox, number one. I know it sounds like, you know, an ethereal or something that's visceral, but it's not. There has to be a detoxification of value, the concept or the perception of value. We have not taught our children what value is. And a lot of children have been superficially indoctrinated into a value system of Western, of Western culture that is based on the possession of things. And again, remember I told you that we would be, back in the 90s, very early, I told you in the feminization of our society, we will turn from producers into consumers. And women constitute the biggest consumers or shoppers in this society. This is not uh, being facetious. I'm not being uh, anti-woman or anything of that nature. Women are, by their nature, um, what they call foragers. And the forager instinct is what they have turned into shopping. Now, what they would do in the wilderness where they would find things and through conversation build and grow food and forage for food and do the things that they do, uh, now they have taken that instinct and they have um, put it into overdrive and they put it on steroids and they have preconditioned our children from school to become consumers. So know that once a child is in school and they are being taught in the education system about who has what and what value is to the children that they are looking at in the books and what value is to the next child who has what they perceive to be value and set trends for and what the television tells that child how great they would look with what it is they have on, this conditioning process starts very early until that addiction process that I was speaking about earlier at the onset of this particular segment when I said we have to do a detox. We have to detox the children from the drug that has inebriated them into becoming consumers. They're addicted to having things, to having baubles, to look pretty constantly and clean. And the value is that I have something that you don't have. That's the secret. You have something that they don't have. And for you to be accepted or to have gained some kind of notoriety, which everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame, you are conditioned to want to stay ahead of the curve by having things that other people don't. Now, the value system that we have been trained here in this is being forwarded through the raps, rapping community and through the uh, music um, videos and the music community that they have taken over and have used our children to sell that crap to the rest of our children. And that's the way that they keep that going. And that's a monster to try to go up against, especially when you have children who always seek friends and seek to have some kind of status among friends. You have to get in the, at the, the level, the basic level of where the consumer is nurtured. How is a consumer grown? How is a consumer created? And when you study how a consumer is created, you've got to get a book by um, Bernays called Propaganda. 
And that yeah. book, Propaganda, breaks down all of uh, uh, what it is that this whole uh, concept of molding a consumer. It's another book, good book is called Public Opinion. Those books show you how they nurture the instinct and addiction for consumerism. When you study that, set up a, a, a model where you get together with brothers and sisters the way you all can get brothers and sisters and sit them down and have readings about what it is. Have parents come in. Have, them, have babysitters or someone to watch the children, but have parents come in while you do reading of certain chapters out of that book to see how they're doing what they're doing so they can recognize when they're doing it. That's what I did with my son, and that's what I did with my daughter. I taught them when they were looking at TV, they looked at it educationally. They took notes. Then they reported back to me what it is that they saw that made them feel that they were being manipulated to get something. They, we have to make our children study what true value is and what it is that nurtures them from a deeper, a deeper level, from an essential level, not the superficial level, not the baubles and the bangles, not the feminized version of wanting to have a, a thousand shoes and have to have this little bobble and the, and the mind is into getting things and, and getting all kinds of, oh, what's that next? We've been feminized into believing that we need to constantly consume or else consume or die, they used to say. It's ridiculous. What we have to do is to teach the children at the level where they are forming these uh, consumers, these people who are addicted to the new Jordans. That doesn't come from uh, a child coming out of nowhere and then saying, okay, what, I want Jordans? They don't even know what a Jordan is. But if you constantly push what a Jordan is in the community and let them know that that's the sense of value that makes them who they are, yeah, of course these kids are going to be lining up and killing one another to get a damn Jordan. Our people are not being taught what value is. And when we get to value, when we start looking at those same people that are on that street that are making things with their hands, things that are substantive, that can last, things that have a, uh, come from one human to another, not from a machine, not from slave labor, not from some factory, but from one hand making it the other. That's why I don't celebrate Kwanzaa. I know everybody want to deal with Kwanzaa because Kwanzaa is a racket now. The French are actually the ones that are actually manipulating Kwanzaa now. The white French are selling us all our Kwanzaa goods and all the, the, the menorah, everything. Black people don't make it anymore. And Kwanzaa is supposed to be about you making something with your hands and exchanging it with somebody else. Now you go on the street and you buy up all kinds of things that are being sold to you from white people, and you're selling it back to your community. You're enriching more Jews in Kwanzaa than you're enriching black folks. And most people don't know that. So understand that when you are dealing with value, study what it is that's going to be of essential value to you. And trust me this. Trust me about this. Know that the people that, as in my book, I have a book, the new book I'm writing, um, Cosmic Codex, I say the misfits of today are the messiahs of tomorrow. The Ooh. misfits of today are the messiahs of tomorrow. Those who don't seem to fit in today nurture those who don't have people constantly running around them and, and building them up. Those young people who are the nerds, those people who seem to be the outcasts, those are the leaders of tomorrow. 
Those are the ones who don't fit in today because their time is not today. It's tomorrow. And the ones who seem like they're getting all the glory today, they're going to burn out. Yep, I know you. with my generation, and we call it the revenge of the nerds. Brother, 
my apologies, my, my bomb button is kind of slow tonight, so I'm hitting it, and it's dropping a minute later. <laughs> but I wanted to... I wanted to accentuate the statement that you made about, you know, allowing people to be different is very important. And, um, you know, the older I get, the more I understand the need and the necessity for it. You know what I'm saying? And even as twins, when we were younger, although we were popular, we were different. And we were looked upon as, you know, it was it was weird. Like, people didn't see twins. It wasn't as... Um, reoccurring as it is in, in society now, you know, so we've always had that level of intrigue where you go places and people deal with you like you're not human, you feel me? So I'm able to, to empathize and see how someone that might be a social misfit might feel, you know, because mm-hmm. at the point you get, you know, you get somewhat tired of people jeering over you and asking you the same retarded questions and why doesn't your parents put you in the same colors? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and all yeah, that, yeah, I know, the, the I, surface yeah, stuff you like. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that I, I, I had cousins, so I know the kind of things that they've gone through. I know what you all must have gone through. I'll tell you this. Yeah. We are at a place right now where you asked the question, that, that earlier question about what it is that we, uh, we have to do about getting them out of that mindset. The value, and, and this is, it sounds very simplistic and very trite, but the value systems that we give to our children, even though we teach them and it doesn't seem to click during certain ages, like from 16 to 22 or 23, you would be surprised at what that foundational knowledge that you give to your children, how it is recalled, the older you get. That's why I said, you said something very profound. He said, the older you got, the more you began to understand. Well, that's the truth, because I say the same thing. I said, the older I got, the smarter my father got. Because back when I was young, he was just dumb. He didn't know. But as the older I got, the smarter my father got. And, mm-hmm. he was, and, and now that I'm his age, I can tell how wise he really was. And you really don't know. You really don't know what it is that life has to give to you at the ages that they give to people. Like they got this little, you know, when they give these young people like Justin Bieber and all these young kids, they, they give them the mantle of leadership as a, a so-called public figure. And they tell right. you that you're a role model. These are not role models. The ancients, the role model was the ancients. The old model was the elders. That's your role model. You don't follow no teenager around and look at all their antics and, and watch Rihanna pull up her blouse and show her ass. That's a, that's a role model? And this is the superficializing, if there's a word I can coin, of that, stat, that status place, that place in society that children are supposed to feel that they want to evolve to or elevate to. Now we have the adults dressing like the kids and wanting to be young again, and in the older societies, and the wiser societies, it's when you get to that eldership. When they sh- you, you don't get to being an elder at 80 and 90 by being no damn fool. You cannot get more stupid as you go older. Unless you really see that and you've been dumb from the beginning, you can't. So as far as knowledge is concerned, you, you know, it's just like I told my son when he was growing up. I said, no matter how old you get, I'm going to be older than you. 
And you right. ain't never going to be as old as me. You ain't never going to be as old as me until you die. Until I die, you're going to catch up to me. But that's all you can do. You can only catch up to a certain point. But you cannot be older than me. And that means that whatever it is you're about to have as your experience, I've had it. And then, you see, so that's what we have to teach our children. We have to give them a whole new system. And once they get that value system, then the system of commerce and that system of them buying superficial nonsense and supporting superficial uh, goals and, 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 and superficial nonsense that they give us to buy to keep us in a superficial state, that won't even – matter of fact, they're going to run out of – they're going to go bankrupt. That's what it is. We will bankrupt the superficial. We will bankrupt the superficial by definitely – in, in investing our children in the substantial. Once you invest your children and make them from the work. Yeah, yeah, that was on time. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. We deal with the substantial by teaching our children a value system, then they will know the difference and definitely not aggrandize the superficial. The before we go into the calls, that's a beautiful segue because I wanted to ask you when you mentioned that about your father got wiser as you got quote unquote older. I wanted to ask you as a father of a child that is within my age group, my generation. You know what I'm saying? That walks with us. We know you. We know your son. We know the friends of your son. We know the culture and the generation that your son belongs to. What has your son? been able to teach you as a father that has helped you when it comes to teaching your children, which are us as an extension? Well, it's interesting because when you have children, especially if you have a son, you're watching yourself in review. It's like your life in review. And you're watching yourself replay all of what you used to be and what you did, how you thought, your actions. And what your, your child is, the child is the father to the man. That is another saying that is old and it's dealing from a wisdom of understanding that you don't teach a child to be a child. Your child teaches you to be a father. And that's the teaching of love, of understanding, of, 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 um, of giving, unconditionally, a man is not truly understanding of how he is or what it is as far as a man is concerned until he becomes a father. And until you know what a father is, you cannot know what God is. You cannot know God unless you are a father because you cannot know the love that the father, the all-father gives unless you become, in microcosm, a father yourself unless you're giving, unless you're taking care of someone that is helpless, someone who needs you to be there, to defend, to feed, to care for. That grows a whole other kind of man inside of you. And so your child teaches you to be a father while you're teaching him or her to be a young man or a young woman, to be a whole and healthy living human entity. But that child is is definitely taking you to school and teaching you what it is to be God the Father. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. 
profound, profound lesson from Bible Valentine. Okay. I think it is about that time. We have 12 minutes remaining to the live call. I haven't seen so many hands up like this in a minute. <laughs> Stick up in the chat room. So, please, family. <laughs> Three four seven six three seven twenty one thirty five is the calling number if you want to continue this conversation with us past the twelve AM mark. Okay. We are here at the Q and A. I want to go to our first caller in the call queue. I see caller from three four seven caller from three four seven eight two nine. Caller, you with us? Peace. Greetings. Peace, peace. Peace. Peace, can you hear me? Yes, peace. This is Brother Seth. Peace, peace. Yes, yes. Hello, uh, Valentine. Yes. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you, brother? I'm fine. I'm fine. I used to um, talk to you um, when I lived in Florida because you're, you're – I was in Orlando. I think you were, you were in Atlanta. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm in Brooklyn. Um, and I do a lot of herbs. I kind of chat to you here and there about um, homeopathic remedies and things like, things like that. And um, definitely uh, always listening to you. I run a business, and it's very essential when you're in a business to understand psychological components of business because we are psychological beings. And the one thing I've noticed is um, in my own community, it's hard to get support from the initial start because of the fact of the lack of um, motivation that we uh, see not as family. Because when I was around, but I was around a lot of millionaires, a lot of them are millionaires, but a particular financial outlook on life where they support their children financially with motivation that's instilled from a young age. And in our community, we don't get that same motivation and support. I find that most of my peers, my business, until my business starts supporting us, you know, and it's hard. It's a very religious desire, the same passion, the same work. Power in themselves. They don't see themselves in Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. Themselves is coming into the community yeah, and, your and phone really is breaking up making life changing. Hello? Um, yeah. Hello. Yeah. Oh. The phone is breaking up very badly. I think I get the the vision. I mean, as far as your point is concerned, yes, all startup businesses. It happened to us. Happened to me when I was uh, in Brooklyn myself. Um, it's just that. At the time, I'm very fortunate uh, in the fact that at that time, the health, the business of health was actually at its infancy and getting into a, uh, a market that was wide open and had a $10 billion um, a year uh, potential. Uh, that's why most of the doctors and why the um, the uh, AMA and the FDA and all of them actually got into what they call integrative medicine was because of what it is that people like ourselves had done to actually gain the interest of the community to get an alternative, not mean an alternative because we don't alter what is native. We essentially just gave them another option. And they took the option, which is to go natural. But to start, you have to, you have to, in other words, it's, it's just like this. Uh, people don't care what you have, uh, uh, what you know, until they know that you care. Okay? 
If you have a constituency and you wish to get to that constituency, you have to, quote-unquote, ingratiate yourself to the community. If the community does not know who you are or does not know that you care about the community in such a way that you give more than you're getting at the moment, all startup businesses have to give more than they get. You have to get down the way, say, Brother uh, King Simon, he gets down into the community and he walks the streets, he presses the flesh, he talks to people, he gets to them at the level where they are. These people are just average people on the streets trying to make it every day. And until you get them to pay attention to you one-to-one, because they got all kind of billboards all around their heads that's trying to get their attention, they got the traffic noise in their ears, they got their kids, they got all of those things. And unless you are going at them personally, one-to-one, going to PTA meetings, going to meetings for group meetings, for community meetings, uh, different types of social events, and letting them get to know you and know what you do, and having enough information to give to them so that they remember you, and following up. All of these are the hallmarks of starting a business and believing in your product and having enough information about your product to make them know that there is an option for them. You have to get down to it. That's exactly what we did. I'm going to be a little clear about the the question because more psychological components of sales. Your phone is, yeah. Brother Seth, your phone is not coming in clear. It should be clear now. Is it Huh? No, I'm saying it should be clear. Still breaking up? Yes, oh. slightly. All right, it should be a little clear now because I cleared some stuff out of the v- the, the 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 VOIP. But um, my my point was more or less a psychological uh, uh, analysis of um comes to um organization building because uh. I um I got the the following on a psychological level. It's still happening. Within I can't my, hear uh, culture. Yeah. Bro, I gotta I gotta keep it moving because we can't hit a we can't hit a line and I have a lot of hands up this evening. We have five minutes left to the live feed. So. All right. Hello? All right, bro. Let's go to call up from the 646. Call up from the 646-472. 646-472. Peace. Again, family, 347-637-2135 is the number you want to call in. Peace. Caller 646. All right, T-Show, how you doing? It's Rich, man. Peace, brother Rich. Rich. Uh, yo, um, real quick, I know y'all got a lot of calls, but, yo, listen, man, this is like a breath of fresh air. I'm going to tell you for real, hand fell, say what he said tonight. Um, it's like we, we got to realize that, like, we in the golden age, and, like, what he's dropping, this is like some golden age information. It may look bad externally, but it's great internally until we concentrate on the internal. Our external one was when Phil was dropping on the isness. And I totally, totally, totally relate, Phil. I'm so happy somebody in the conscious lecture circuit is coming out 
talking about that because being is way more important than doing. I could be something for an hour and you could do something for 24 hours and I'll get way more results in that hour than you may get in the 24 hours. So thank you, Phil, for saying that information. But I want to um, I want to ask you a question real quick. I think uh, this book called the um, – y'all can hear me? Yeah, hello? Yeah, we hear you, Rich. Oh yeah, uh I've been I've been reading this book, Phil, called um The uh Conversations with God. And I wanna ask your opinion. Um the author was dealing with the um this concept of, you know, us being you know, we all realize that we're aspects of the all that is. Uh God, the universe, whatever you whatever name you wanna call it in your particular vocabulary. But the author was dealing with the fact that the, when we existed in the absolute realm, we were conceptually because we were all because the all that is was all it, it couldn't experientially because it encompassed everything and everything around it. There was no comparison. There was no nothing to compare itself to, or nothing it couldn't experience itself. So the author talks about how the all that decided to create the what we call the physical universe to experience itself outside of itself through this grand so that we all know outside of the all that is, but because this is the grand illusion, the dream, we get to experience ourselves outside of ourselves. I know that I am loved, I may experience love through my girlfriend. Or I'm a good musician, so I may experience the good musician that I am of God through having a successful music career. So he's saying basically that it created the world of polarity. So evil, what we call evil and good are relative terms, and it's only based on our personal judgment system, but it's necessary in order for this, um, in order for this game to exist. So we may complain about the bad that we but it is only because of the bad that we are able to realize the good. So um, what is your opinion on that concept of us incarnating into polarity to experience ourselves out of ourselves? So brother sounds like he was either in my lectures 30 years ago or uh, he's been peeking into my school because uh, that's been the format that I've been teaching for the last 20 years the fact that we are experiences, we are the nerve endings of God, and that everything that is essentially is the creator searching for itself. Everything that I have been teaching about that and the conceptualization of the creator essentially being a child looking to itself, looking into the mirror of its own itself, its own experience. Yes, I mean, we teach that at our university. That is, as a matter of fact, the basic course we've had been teaching for the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. So how is it that the only part I really having a little problem understanding? How is it that the Almighty, Almighty God or the All that is? How can it not know itself? Why would it incarnate down here? How can it not know itself in the absolute? I, I'm just having a little trouble understanding that. Okay, that, yeah, that's the secret to understanding the truth about knowing. The, the there's the three layers that we teach. There's the known. There's the unknown and the unknowable. The unknowable essentially is a space and place 
that nobody can conceptualize within the context from the dimensions where we're looking at it. The creator is the all, and therefore being all knowledge, there has to be a polarity to that. Being the all-knowing, the all-being, there is a polarity to it. There's a polarity to everything because the creator would not create anything unlike itself. So if polarity is created, know that being the all, there is always the all-nothing. There is the all and the all-nothing. Now, the creator being the all cannot know itself because it would have to be outside of itself to know itself. But instead of, you cannot create outside. In other words, there's nothing that creates outside of the creator because the creator being all, there is nothing outside of it. So the creator contracts upon itself. The contraction upon itself, if you want to look at the creator as a circle, the contraction upon itself is that part that you see as the one-tenth. That becomes the all-mother, that one-tenth that sits in this. There's a lot of noise going on. Is there somebody cooking or doing something? You can put a mute on that. Um, the, the, there is the all, and if you put a circle and you divide one-tenth of the circle towards the radius, from the radius to the center, that one-tenth becomes the vaginal, the all-mother, the, the, the cosmic womb the triple black mother, it is in that one-tenth of withdrawing from upon itself that the creator creates. All creation is negation. That's what the Chemites taught, that all, need, all creation is the negation of the creator upon itself. And in that space of negation is where you have your being. Mm-hmm. So within that being, that space of being, that that, that negation of itself, that's when it knows itself. It only can know itself within itself, not outside of itself. So the withdrawal within is that part of the creator that we're participating in. That is the holographic universe. That is the unknowable, trying to find itself within the unknown and the known. And it is you. You are the intention of the creator to know itself. So Dr. Valentine. So that would nullify the argument uh, that people bring up about the the all being gender-based or, you know, the all being a man or a woman when, in fact, like Brother Rip stated, there are dualities and polarities. So when you find men, you must, where there's feminine, there's uh, masculine, where there's positive, exactly. there's negative, and things of that nature. Exactly, and that's why all the religions that, keep to, that, that speak about God being he or she, these are infantile mentalities. So when you start talking about God, God, Jesus Christ, God the Father, without the God the Mother, or you talk about Allah, he is the great God, then you are a child in the, in the spiritual realm because you have, and you have to understand this from another perspective, Know that your journey through the equinoxes, through each of the signs, gives off a polarity of the feminine or the or the, um, the masculine. So when God the Father was seen as a father, it was because we were going through a specific sign of the zodiac that had a masculine influence. When we saw it as the mother, we were passing through an equinoctial point of, of, of the of degree of the, of the zodiac where the mother principle was. So all infants, listen to me very carefully out there. All infants, from the time they leave their mother's womb, that breast and their mother is God. 
to an infant, mother is God. So mm-hmm. just think about that when you are on the other side of, your, of the time frame and know that if you think that God is a mother and she's an all-mother and God was a mother and she created man and she was this, then you are a child when it comes to spiritual understanding because you're still nursing at the teeth of belief rather than knowing. You do not understand that God is not a genderized entity. It is a totality of one that expresses itself as gender. So when you see God the mother and God the father... when you see God the mother or God the father and you see people worshiping God as a father or a mother, know that they are children. And essentially that's how I essentially talk to them as well, like children. So, 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 so one last question, Phil, um, Dr. Phil. So if we understand this and we apply this business of being, as you talked about earlier, then there shouldn't be, there's no difference than what Jesus said if Jesus existed, but we know people did things of that magnitude, but just let's just use him as an example. Then there's no difference between what Jesus did and what we should be able to do right now as we speak, right? Well, Jesus, again, is not anything else but the Son. The Son is Jesus. That walking upon the waters and all that nonsense is just the Son of God. That rising from the grave three days later is the sun rising from. Right now on the 21st, that's when the sun is going to stop its position down in its descent in the southern hemisphere. It will stop on the 21st of this month, and it will stay there for three days. On the third day, it will rise. And that's where you have your nativity. And essentially, as it rises, as the sun rises on the 25th, at 12.05 or 12.05, it is, it is in the sign of Virgo. That means the sun is born of a virgin. So understand that what we're dealing with is astrotheology. It ain't got nothing to do with any God or any, any, any Jesus or any of these other. Jesus came from the word Hesus. There was no J back then. It comes from the word Hesus. Hesus was Peru. Jesus Christus became Jesus Christ. And all this Christmas bullshit that everybody's going out there to spend their hard-earned money on is just a superstition that these Jews are pushing to make more money. You are giving them a vacation after January the 1st. They all take vacations on the dumb money that you, the unconscious dollar that you give to them. You understand that any time you start talking about God, G-O-D, you're talking about a German word anyway, Gott. And when you're speaking about God, you're speaking actually about a Masonic principle, which essentially is nothing more than a Judaic principle that deals in alchemy and geometry. Mm-hmm. And this is what we teach at the university. And if you want to know how that book, essentially, or more about that book that you're reading, I, you said that God what it is, the conversations with God or whatever. But whatever it is that that book is, is, is saying sounds like it's online and in time with what it is we're teaching. So essentially, we're teaching that for the last 25 years. I don't know who this author is, but this is what we've been teaching in our schools for the last 25 years. Okay. All right. Th- thanks a lot, brother. I appreciate the time. You're most welcome, beloved. Thank you for calling right. in. Thank Brother Rich, Brother Rich, I think they made a movie out of that book, too. 
My my ex girlfriend in oh three put me onto that. That's a good read. Okay, yeah, yeah. We're gonna build on that. <laughs> yes, sir. All, All right, now. peace. Peace. Brother Blue, you there? Brother Blue. Did you lose him? Huh? Did you lose him? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Uh Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah, I'm here. Call up from the 216. We're going to take it to the 216. Call up from the 216-938. Call up from the 216. Peace, call up. All from the 216. All right. We're going to hop over to the 216. We're going to stay in the 216. Call up from the 216-392. Call up from the 216-392. What it do? Peace. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. All right, 216. We're going to take it to the 347. Call up from 347-790. Call up from the 347. You rolling trip? Hello? Peace. There we go. Greetings. Hi, how are, how are you? Because I'm calling from New York City. Wonderful. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> peace to the Twin Pillars. I want to say peace to Dr. Valentine. I haven't seen you in so long. Um, I have wrote you on Facebook. Um, I've been going to your classes as you was like at the Soul Brothers Boutique. Um, I was a heavy set young lady, and the last word you said to me, you said, Sister, when you're embalming, do you cover your head? And I said, Yes, Dr. Valentine, thank you, thank you. I need to do that because I told you I was going through some depression, and I emailed you on Facebook. You said, I don't remember you. I'm so sorry. Now do you remember me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> okay, because I know you see a lot of people and everything, and I was telling you about some of the things I was going through or whatever. But um, right. he was, um, I was just talking to some of my constituents, and we were just saying um, how everything just feels so thick in the air, especially at this time. I know um, a lot of Satanists, they get around, you know, the 22nd, they have their parties and everything, because like you said, with the sun and everything. And um, I know one of the, tw- the pillars is down there in California, and my, a lot of my constituents are down there working in California, and they were just telling me how you could just smell death in the air and everything. And I just wanted to ask you, what was um, going on? What was up with that whole Paul Walker thing and that whole... Um, you know, the whole, the death of Mandela and all of that, because it just seems like, um, you know, we've just been getting funny vibes amongst our group, you know, this this funny mm-hmm. feelings amongst us. Yeah, that's a, that's a transitional point. Uh, we are going to be into, I remember I said, Baram, before 2000 uh, actually and 12 came in, that there's going to be a incredible change in the molecular structure of humanity. And a lot of of the change that some people can feel and some people are not going to feel it. Some people will feel it like anger. Some people will feel it in the form of depression. Uh, some people will feel it with uh, constantly happy. And, and it depends on where you are mm-hmm. in your own consciousness and how that new change is going to affect you molecularly. Uh, you can't. Uh, it's going to make you go through all of the burdens that you've called to yourself. You're going to do a, a revision. You're going to go through the inventory of all the emotional pains that you've been holding on to. And sometimes yeah. you may not be able to feel the pain. You may not be able to localize where it originates from, but you'll feel it as an overall feeling. So it's going to be something that you're going to be dredging up. It's like 
looking at a very clear pond and then messing with the mud underneath it, and you're going mm-hmm. to start seeing everything in the bottom start coming to the surface. Well, that's mm-hmm. what's happening right now to everybody. So don't, the main thing I say is to eat lightly during the times that you're feeling that way or don't eat at all. Taking things that are nutritious, constantly giving your body things that are going to give it the nutrition it needs at the, at the cellular level because that's mm-hmm. where the attack is going to take place, at the molecular level. So make sure that the food you're eating feeds you at the molecular level without sacrificing your, your, your vital force. Because if you're eating food that, like a lot of sugar and a lot of starches and a lot of mm-hmm. protein, these rob your body of energy. And when you rob your body of that vital energy, that's when the depression sets in. And it's so funny mm-hmm. because the week before that boy got killed in California, all the funeral directors were, you know, we were emailing each other, and they kept saying, we just feel something funny. And sure enough, he died, like, right on the uh, way he died, like at the cul-de-sac where he had died at. Um, there's a funeral mm-hmm. home not too far from there. My friend said, Regina, you could just feel it in the air. It was just so fishy. Mm-hmm. It was like it was just death that whole week. Yeah, yeah, that's probably was a sacrifice. Uh, we're not sure why that was happening, but uh, they've been running his movies. Someone called me and told me that they're running his movies. The last movie he did, which was back in 2011 or 2012, I think, mm-hmm. uh, something called Card 19 or something like that, mm-hmm. or, or where he, he had a woman in a trunk. He rented a car, and there was a woman in the trunk of the car that was unconscious, <laughs> something like that. But um, oh, he told God. me the story about it, yeah. And <clears throat> he um, he was all, he was in a car, and he was racing around in a car again in that movie, from what I understand. But I, everything being a sacrifice, when you start dealing with sacrifices and people who have been meant to deal with sacrifices and they're setting up. And you got to remember, too, that heart plays a great, uh, a great role in getting you susceptible to those mm-hmm. kinds of feelings. Okay. Because heart, yeah, and heart and these different kinds of scalar wave um, weapons can actually saturate an atmosphere to bring you into a depressive uh, feeling. Depressive oh, mood. okay. Right. So, so know that they can condition. Yeah, they can condition the uh, the atmosphere with scalar wave energies that makes it attacks certain mm-hmm. centers of the brain. And causes you to feel either anger. They can they can target a say a bar where people are drinking and start uh-huh. a right what? in that bar. Yes, they can target it with a specific energy and get people so riled up that they can get them to start fighting, get the whole bar to be turned out. That's what they do. And they can also crank up the fear energy because everything is energy. Fear is energy. Love is energy. Uh, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, creativity is all energy. And these people have digitalized the mental uh, schematics of each of those types of emotions. And they can broadcast them and trigger them into susceptible people. But people who are not susceptible are those who eat the proper foods and can actually understand and understand the emotions that are coming up in them and control it. And the only the people who don't have the poisons in their systems can actually control and actually fight these scalar wave uh, energies. Watch what it is that you're eating when you're out in parties and places like that because they can give you things mm-hmm. that can actually undermine your mentality. Watch what they're feeding your children in school. Do not get them to feed the lunches and all of these type of things. Feed your children from your own plates. 
Do not give them people over. Don't give your children over to these people to be fed. Okay. And I, I want to ask the sister this 